welcome everybody to episode 108 of the Anime Arcade podcast. I think we may have broken a record with this podcast. It is four hours long, or at least close to that. My name is Jeff, and I'm here with Carlos. I am sleepy. And Logan. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> so yeah, we're tired, guys. We just marathoned a four-hour podcast on reviews, and in large part, that is thanks to Demon Slayer. But to be honest, uh, it's a show that was probably worth the discussion. So I, I it's two in the morning here. I'm tired. Uh, somehow I'm doing this intro and I'm not falling asleep in the middle of it and uh, I enjoyed our discussion though all things considered honestly this has been a really fun podcast so uh, I appreciate it and I hope you guys enjoy listening yeah please please enjoy and please let us know what you think about these shows in the future yeah thank you for listening Happy Halloween, you guys. Oh. I mean, not to you guys, listeners, because, I mean, it's it's past Halloween. You're We're living in the past, as always. Oh. But uh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Indeed. Uh, Jeff, I saw your costume. It was pretty great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, always uh, wanted to dress as a tentacle monster. So yeah. <laughs> Don't give it away. I was going to... I, that, that was going to be my hard sell, man. That was going to be like, if you want to see what Jeff dressed up as... You have to be in our Discord server. Now everyone knows. Oh, I guess that's, oh, well, that's still a hard sell, though. You know, I yeah. could take a I could take a picture of my birthday suit. It might get me banned from Discord, but <laughs> wait, of your what? <laughs> my my birthday suit. Your birthday suit. <laughs> is that your is that your Halloween costume? Well, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I am podcasting, and we have established that. Yeah, that we're we're all apparently naked you know here we are halloween night recording and we're not doing the cliche podcast thing of talking about all of the best halloween anime because we still have to finish our reviews for the summer <laughs> we're yeah. so behind well to be fair we're i mean aside from you jeff like i don't mind horror it's just not my thing and i don't think logan particularly likes horror so i'm trying just... to think of a single horror anime that i've watched and i just does mirai nikki count I haven't seen it, so... <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen it, but it's like... I'm trying to think of horror anime that I've watched. Does Death Note count? <laughs> uh, maybe? No, probably not. I mean, I haven't seen Death Note, so I don't More know. More of a but... suspense, I guess. I don't know. It, you, you'd be the only the only authority. I guess we'd have to, we'd have to pull some other people who watch horror okay, anime. Okay, I've seen the first season of Tokyo Ghoul. That qualifies as horror, apparently. Mm. Um, uh, what about uh, School Live? That's probably horror-esque. Um, I yeah, mean, maybe kinda. not. Another is the first one that comes to mind, and it was kind of like, eh. I mean, for me, another was okay. <laughs> they have Sankarea as horror. Oh, the one about the zombie chick? Yeah. Right, right, right. I wouldn't call that horror. No, not really. Yeah, I said life. High School of the Dead. I mean, that's not really horror either, mm. but I mean, that's probably 
Attack I have on the DVDs Titan? for uh, Red yeah. Garden sitting right next to me. I've never watched it, but I'm pretty sure that's a zombie horror show. Yeah. <laughs> We're bad at this. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably, listener, you're probably never getting a horror-themed Halloween show out of us. It would um, have to be Jeff and someone else. <laughs> yeah. Or Jeff would have to make me watch a whole bunch of stuff, which, I mean, I'm not opposed to. It's just, eh. I I've, I, mean, I watched I, I watched a lot of horror movies as a kid because my mom loves them and I'm just kind of numb to them now. Mm, so mm. it has to be something outstanding, otherwise I'm just like, eh, okay. I mean, maybe next year I'll I'll just get you guys to watch Junji Ito collection no, you, or something, I, and we can talk I'm about. I'm sorry <laughs> to say that you absolutely, in no way, shape, or form, will you ever be able to get me to watch anything <laughs> like that. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> you cannot offer me enough money. Guys, I'm done. All right, I'll talk to you guys yeah, later. Farewell, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> the breaking up of anime arcade. <laughs> He's a monster, just like but, his You know, for some reason, that show's pretty popular. Like, I've seen t-shirts from it all over the place, like Hot Topics all about Junji Ito. I don't know what's going on I with feel that like show. It's pretty I feel funny like the guy. manga's more popular. Yeah. Like, I would yeah. think the manga would be more popular, because the manga, from what I hear, is outstanding. And, like, if you remember, you know, back when... You know, you you did the uh, the review of it. I mean, you said that that um, it didn't really translate as well. But I I feel like the manga fans like really love that that property. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be curious to check that out. But that would be for maybe next Halloween. So look forward to it. A year from now, we'll be on episode one hundred and fifty five, and you guys can uh, look forward to that. Did you do that math in your head, or are you just guessing? Just guessing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's probably not far off, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's kind of impressive. And please don't hold us to that, listener, unless me and Logan are dreadfully sick. Might not happen. <laughs> I feel a chill <laughs> please don't, for me. Please don't wish illness on us so that you can get your Junji Ito episode. <laughs> um, but as Logan stated before, uh, we are still in the midst of our reviews um, because... Uh, um, we do this podcast at our own pace. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So uh, we're still doing summer 2019 stuff, um, even though um, the fall season has started. We're, we're taking it slow. Uh, and today we're starting off um, with the show that nobody drafted. Uh, it's a short, but because it got so much, I don't know. Like it got a lot of traction. It was it was interesting enough that a lot of people were talking about it. Uh, I think me and Logan picked it up. Jeff, did you watch this at all or no? Uh, I'm lost. <laughs> well, that's perfect because the show we're talking about first is "Are You Lost?" Yes, I, oh I'm not sure. You, uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, it was a short, um, twelve episode short uh, by Studio. Azola, um, yeah, who have done Happy Sugar Life and a show that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Uh, by the way, listener, I am drinking, so if I say something <laughs> stupid or slur my words, I do apologize. Um, but yeah, uh, Azola, they did Happy Sugar Life, and this season they did a short, uh, spaced off a of manga, uh, which I didn't know until I just read it right now. Um, and yeah, uh, this so this show, 
I, I don't know how to describe the show, Logan. <laughs> so, so basically, four girls were going on a school trip or something. Their plane crashed, and they are stuck on an island, uh, just the four of them. Um, and they don't know exactly where they are in the world. And right. one of the girls is like a super survival freak. Yeah, um, uh, Homare. Homare, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. she's uh um, her well no her the thing dad about her the, yeah her dad like her dad is one of those like preppers like survivalist <laughs> prepper dudes like you know getting ready for I, I, you know i wouldn't call it a prepper because preppers are like the people who like get ready for like a government collapse or like you know all kinds of crazy nonsense he was just like an outdoorsy survive survivalist there you go that's sure. what i was trying to go for and like he dragged he dragged his like his like very young daughter around the world like making her survive uh with him in these like crazy conditions yeah yeah deserts i think you know s- snowstorms they lived in caves. yeah jungles everything like, like th- this girl knows how to trap animals how to uh make handles for knives or like well, make yeah, fashion knives, knives yeah fashion knives but fashion handles for knives out of like was like a mixture of like dung and some other stuff and yeah yeah but how to how to how to fish in like like low tide pools and cook snails and stuff like that like this girl put me to shame like put put the put the training i had in the navy to shame with like how well she i i would die on that island and she was completely Uh fine yeah Uh, but along with her was a cast of characters of of um uh three other um high school girls who were much much less adept at survival um there was uh Asuka uh Suzumori who's like a tomboy sportsy girl type uh but you know she's still a city girl she doesn't really particularly care for killing things <laughs> or you know like you have to kill you know small game yeah. to survive and stuff like that uh there's um Mutsu uh, Amatani, who is like the glasses kind of shutting girl, but she's uh, surprisingly adept at, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, finds that she's much less squeamish about doing outdoorsy stuff. Uh-huh. And then there's Shion Kujo, who, <laughs> as far as I could guess, was like a rich girl. Yeah, that's the impression I got. And some of her bits were really funny, oh like actually God. laugh out loud funny, <laughs> um, because of uh, like she would, you know, she would wait like a lot of times she like waits to see like if the situation is is cool with her and then she'd go into it like full bore and like it would not be what it seems. I don't I don't know how, to, how better to explain <laughs> she's that. She's like, like she's unfortunate in a lot of ways. Yes. <laughs> she's the uh, the Aru of this show. <laughs> um yeah she just (laughs) i at the beginning i don't think she really cares much about what's happening other than her survival but then she slowly progresses into actually wanting to contribute to the group but every time that she tries to do something it just doesn't go well um but yeah i feel like that's asuka as well but but like she on to a much greater extent sure sure i mean um the entire last like story bit is around uh she owns misfortune yeah getting lost um 
Yeah. I mean, the show's basically, uh, I wouldn't say it's episodic, I guess, but each it's, episode tackles I, a different thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of episodic in that uh, e- each episode does tackle a different a different aspect of survival, like getting to the island. Like the like the first episode, they deter. Oh, no, I'm sorry, they Pomare deters a shark <laughs> with like a a cell phone battery. Yeah. Um, uh, but like every episode after that is them, you know, slowly but surely, um, increasing their odds of survival. Um, the last episode, uh huh. Like I was really expecting this episode or this show to end with them being rescued or being found Uh or something and you didn't really get that and we Um, do see that help is on the way in some fashion i I don't know i was expecting more but i i i agree but Um, but uh i I did enjoy the ride like i really loved the ride i mean every every bit of it was i think actually funny like (laughs) you know i i've been i've come across too many you know quote-unquote comedy anime recently that didn't make me laugh and this show very much did make me laugh because homare's expressions like she's you know like the survivalist type and everyone else's expression around her is like what the fuck is wrong with you and why would you do this to you um uh, and she's very innocent despite you know being a world uh, world world-class survivalist um uh some of some of the some of the show uh might not be for everybody because it is it does go into the kind of the nitty-gritty of survival. I, yeah, the number of times that I had to like take a breath and like close my eyes and like center <laughs> myself because I was getting squeamish or just like ill from some of the things that they did. Yeah. Um, no, see, just cuz I'm a like a sissy when it comes to that kind of stuff. No, I mean I mean that that is a good that is a like that's a good warning to give people, you know, cuz not sure. everybody like I I, you know, used to go hunting with my grandpa and stuff like that. So I'm okay around stuff like that. But I wouldn't make other people hunt with me. Sure, like, sure. Or or skin a deer with me. I, uh-huh. It'd be really cruel. So yeah. it's it's a good it's a good um, you know, just just know if you're going into this, if you're squeamish about you know certain kind of things like that. Um, yeah, lots of bug stuff. Locks. Yeah, lots of <laughs> poop stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I would say still give it a try. And if it does put you off like enough, yeah, you know, drop it. But like, I think it's worth, uh, definitely worth a watch for a short. Um, sure, it might be, it might be up there with my favorite shorts. Maybe it might break my, uh, like maybe my top five. Hmm. It was it was really enjoyable week to week. Sure, um, and potentially more on the way. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, they have room for more, for sure. Um. With that, I think I'd give Are You Lost a four out of five. Okay. I really I'll give really it a three it. out of five. Um, right on. But yeah, I think I think three and a half is right where it belongs, honestly. So Yeah. Sweet. I don't think it ever got to the point where I was like, oh god, I can't stand this, but it never got to the point where it's like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life, you know. <laughs> but still definitely worth the watch, and it's a short, so you know, you you can kind of zoom through it, so Okay, Jeff, you're up. Okay. So, um, how do you guys feel about isekais? <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I do, honestly. Like, unironically, I so, do love isekai. <laughs> there are some that I love. There are some that I'm, that I'm, and then there are others that I'm just like, all right, I'm saying, I will give every isekai a chance. But sure. 
I'm I, I will not lie that there are some that I'm starting to get wary of. I I mean, you guys, you know, listeners and you guys, uh, you guys know me. I unironically absolutely loved in another world with my smartphone because I thought it was just silly and stupid and and uh-huh. kind of tongue in cheek. Um, sure, but I I will admit that that some of them are starting to you know kind of grate on me. I I think I think we're in full blown full blown trope mode now with isekais. I mean, it's like three or four every single season are coming out, whereas it used to be like one a season, one every couple seasons, and it's just gone full bore now. And another trope that I think has has come up, and I guess I'm curious how you guys feel about this is extremely overpowered main characters. I'm all about. How you guys feel about those? Give it to me. All about it. It depends on how they do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I was I was on board with Kirito first couple seasons. <laughs> I really How do you guys really feel about wish... um how do you guys feel about dumpster fires? Uh they keep me warm. Yeah. <laughs> I have no follow-up. <laughs> you know what? That's perfect because this show kept me warm. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and I pretty much just reviewed it. It's an isekai with an overpowered main character that's also a dumpster fire, but it Hell kept yeah. me warm. Um, <laughs> Ari Ferretta, From Commonplace to the World's Strongest, uh, is one of the shows I picked and one of the most anticipated shows of the summer 2019 season. And I have to say, <laughs> all things considered, you think I'm probably going to shit on the show, and I kind of am, but I actually probably enjoyed the show more than Fruits Basket. Hell so, yeah. Uh, yes, oh, I, I'm probably the, going oh, to be. Oh, the messages the, we're going to get. <laughs> the mobs are out to get me now. But no, I, I in no way will I say that this is a better show than Fruits Basket. But something about watching a train wreck is just enjoyable. And it was the case with this show. You know, Clockwork Planet, it was difficult to watch. This show, man, that train exploded in the most beautiful flurry of colors and sparks <laughs> and fire. Um, but yeah, Ari Fred is a show that, you know, we get this class that gets sucked into another dimension, but they skip that entire part and they're just in the other dimension, um, this fantasy world fighting a beast on a bridge. And uh, yeah, they pretty much skipped the whole part of how they got there. And our main character, Hajime, uh, falls into the pit and everyone presumes him dead. Um, it's pretty clear at that point that one of his classmates kind of wanted him to fall into that pit due to jealousy or something. Um, I guess he didn't like him for some reason. And and they were shooting off magic and one of them kind of shot Hajime and made him fall down. And uh, so it looks pretty dire for poor Hajime in the first episode because he and all the characters have like, they come into the world with their classes, right? Like they're given their strengths and he is a I don't even remember what he's called. He's like a synergist or something. He he can like work with the earth, right? Okay. Or he can do some kind of a weird thing. He, he doesn't have a power that's really good for combat. He's kind of worthless. And so he falls into the pit and he's kind of suffering. And um, he is kind of surviving, but then he gets his arm chopped off and it's looking like he's going to die. Uh, and he finds a way to get into a hole and he, a couple wolves try to come in and get him and he like makes a hole in the ground because he has the power to like change the earth and the wolves go in the hole so he's like he's you know smart enough he gets himself out of a sticky situation and he's at this point kind of starving to death and everything else so he decides he's going to eat the monsters that he's facing down in this dungeon because at this point you kind of realize this is a dungeon with multiple floors and the deeper you go the more strong the monsters get right i mean that's just Uh, like standard 
dungeon layout. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> right. like I learned that from Diablo one. Exactly. And so this, this Diablo one got you ready for this, uh, this particular anime. <laughs> um, eating these monsters had a very bad effect on him. He basically was dying. Um, eating them was, it was like it was ripping him apart from the inside out. But Hajime being Hajime survives and he became stronger. His hair turned white. He was like all of a sudden a lot stronger because he ate the monsters and he got their powers. So think of, um, you know, slime only worse. You know, he absorbs the monsters by cooking them and eating them. <laughs> it kind, it becomes kind of a cringy joke for the next couple episodes where he proceeds to go deeper into the dungeons, eating monsters and gaining their powers and getting stronger. And you're kind of watching, you're like, all right, cool. All right. When, when, where are we going with this? Right. Cause he's alone for a while. And then he runs into one of the highlights of the show, uh, Vampire Lolly, Yue, <laughs> who is trapped down in behind a couple ogres that he defeats in the dungeon. Uh, he's got like a gun too. Like that's his main weapon of choice is like a revolver that he has unlimited bullets for and he just shoots and it's one shot kills pretty much for everything. Do they, do they ever explain why he has unlimited bullets? I guess he creates them with his earth magic. Uh, I don't know. No, they don't explain that. But okay. um, <laughs> so he rescues Vampire Lolly Yue from a like square that she's trapped in, and she loves him, of course, because he rescued her and she devotes her life to him. And they kind of have like a moment uh, where they bond, so to speak. Um, it's implied that they the more time they spend together they they develop they like each other very very much they do it it they do it multiple times (laughs) they they do (laughs) they have the sex they do (laughs) absolutely do um there's a couple scenes that it's heavily implied though they don't ever really show it um I think Logan you read up to this point at least in the manga right so you you say that they yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were pretty like uh, obviously graphic about it in the manga. Uh, as far as I remember, yes. Okay, all right. Have to maybe read the manga then. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but and so at this point, they they meet. They keep going deeper into the dungeon. You know, she's kind of she's a really powerful. She's like one of the last of the vampires, so she's super powerful. And um, they keep going down, and they get finally to the last floor. And it's kind of learned at this point, or it could could have been learned before this point. But uh, you get to the bottom of the dungeon, and there's a reward waiting for you. Essentially, whoever can defeat these dungeons, and this is only one of many, um, they get a, a prize that's very valuable. So at this point, he spends some time at the bottom of the dungeon. Like there's like a library down there, and a skeleton. And there's a bunch of stuff. Um, and he gets all these powers. Like suddenly he can summon like Humvees from the ground and he has like rocket launchers and stuff like all this crazy, <laughs> ridiculous nonsense. And uh, so at that point, he's able to teleport back up to the real world and um, he meets a bunny girl named Shia, which I don't really remember them ever talking about her name, honestly. She's just the bunny girl that's in a bikini and she's really strong and hits things with a hammer. So at this point, Hajime is building his harem, right? Slowly building his harem. He's ridiculously overpowered. He shoots everything and kills it with one shot and proceeds to save a little village from, you know, certain death. And he meets a couple of his friends back up there. But the the reunion with his friends doesn't really matter much, honestly. I I was kind of looking forward to that, like, oh, my God, because his friends all thought he was dead. Um, But he when he finally meets them, it's there's no payoff there. Uh, But whatever, we're we're following along and. then he ends up in another dungeon and meets another 
girl from his harem, uh, Miyu, who's a little uh, mermaid girl, I guess. Uh, She's got like little fins on her ears, but she's a humanoid. Does (laughs) she she have legs? Yeah, she has legs. So it's just like, there's like slave traders who he like saves her from. Uh, It wasn't a dungeon. That's what it was. There was like slave traders. There was another dungeon, but I forgot all about that, honestly. Uh, So there was slave traders that he rescued them from or rescued her from. And I'm wasting my time talking about this show, guys. He finally gets back, and, and there's a cute scene where there was a girl that really liked him, and the whole time they thought he was dead, this girl, uh, Kaori, who's actually really adorable. Um, she she was, di- like, just destroyed that he was dead. And she, everyone assumed he was dead. Uh, so when she saw him alive, that was probably the highlight of the show for me, is when she saw him alive, how happy she was. Um and she joins his harem. So now at the end of the show, it's uh, Yue, Kaori, who um, Hajime and Yue are doing it. They're like together and he's devoted to her. But he still, Kaori comes on board. She loves him. Um, her and Yue, uh, the vampire lolly, have a little kind of like butting of heads. Like, I'm going to show you that I'm the better woman kind of thing. Hmm. Um, she is just kind of there and jealous. There's all, oh, there's a vampire or not a vampire. I'm sorry. A dragon. There was a dragon. Go, you would have liked her, Carlos. Um, and... Uh, that that's she's the perverted character like he defeats her by sticking a thing up her uh, you know uh-huh. up her, you I, know there are a couple places that could be up her <laughs> i'm listening <laughs> <laughs> it's up her something in in the, the back end oh, okay. i don't know <laughs> which one okay <laughs> um and and that's how he defeats the dragon and and she liked it so much that she joins his harem uh I like but her she turns into a, a cute you know a cute girl of course uh are, are you saying that i'd like her because she's a gyaru is that is it, she's well endowed oh very okay. well, well endowed. Th- that, that's you know that's also good so yeah um carry on she's got kind of a traditional like japanese not japanese i don't know it, it's like the short kimono kind of look um oh, okay. like how i how i expect like a uh someone who runs a geisha house to dress maybe or something when she's kind of even got like the little pipe thing i think sometimes um but she's like super perverted. That's her character. So they're all like super, you know, uh, they fit their archetypes. <laughs> You've got, you know, she's the super perverted kind of uh, masochist. Um, she is the Genki bunny character that's just always wanting attention from senpai Hajime. Um, Yu's the cute little lolly. Yue's the kind of um, just quiet, confident lolly. And Kaori's the doting um I guess, childhood friend. And at the end, he has a harem of cute girls. That's one of the things I liked about this show, though, is honestly, the the character models were good. Like, the characters looked good. They were all really cute. They were really crisp. I liked the colors that they used, honestly. It was really bright and crisp. And while it was kind of generic, um, all the characters looked really good to me. Uh, however, that's where the good things I have to say about the visuals in this show stop. The show looks like dog shit. Mm. Um, <laughs> the, just overall, especially they like to mix CG in with everything. Um, and it just looks so bad. It looks so ridiculously bad. And while for me, for whatever reason, this is a show that is terrible that I actually kind of enjoyed watching. I can't say that there was anything good about the visuals other than the good looking character models. Um, and Hajime looked kind of stupid too, honestly. Um, 
he had like a metal arm the whole time and i don't know the girls were cute though <laughs> at the end of the day um, that's all that matters in the harem yeah i mean the music was whatever not great uh i, I don't want to waste any more time talking about Ari Ferretta beat to be honest i'm gonna I'm going to say, because I enjoyed it, even though it was a terrible show, uh-huh. and because the characters were cute, I'm going to give it a 1.5. Hmm. Okay. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I'm on the wiki, <laughs> and just looking at you know characters and stuff, and this is the main character's uh, relationship section. So apparently, uh, <laughs> polygamy is a thing in this world i don't know maybe that's a spoiler for later on i don't know if they touch on that in the anime <laughs> um, yes um okay yeah i mean basically i i don't remember some of the names here in this uh he does he, he, he uh mew the, the cute lolly girl like he treats her as a she calls him papa and she uh he treats her as a daughter and he actually has like this kind of paternal protective instinct over her after a, a episode of spending time with her where it's kind of funny that um he becomes that doting dad character over her um but i don't know this is just i it's a guilty pleasure show for me sure. it, it really is because the he's it's it follows that ridiculous harem trope through and through um but the girls are all just cute enough for me and somehow they just struck the right chord with me that I actually kind of enjoyed watching it. Uh, and I, I, when Kaori, I'm actually kind of excited Kaori being that childhood friend, the girl that he, that thought he was dead the whole show. Uh Um, I loved her interaction with UA at the end and, uh, just how they kind of were like, UA is like, I'm going to show you I'm the better woman and that I deserve him. And she's like, yeah, okay, well you'll see. And (laughs) it's kind of like, that's okay. uh, That like, late 80s like through the 90s like harem kind of thing yeah, yeah. you know it's just a book and you know it's I, just... I, I definitely have a show that's kind of like that this season too we'll get to it <laughs> honestly i i'm curious i i really am curious if either of you guys logan i have a feeling that you wouldn't like this show and i don't know why i just have a feeling you wouldn't uh, carlos i, I kind dark. of wonder if you would um yeah and it is it's kind of dark but it's all done in such like a not dark way like mm. some really brutal stuff happens but it's yeah. so comically bad that it never feels serious <laughs> enough to matter yeah i i don't know i i think one thing i'm you know as we as we do do these reviews you know season after season and at this point year after year like i'm starting to realize that it it like not just for me but for a lot of anime fans it really is just the mood you're in <laughs> Because there are shows yeah. that, like, I think I should have really liked, but I watched them and I was like, God, that was garbage. Or, like, shows I probably wouldn't have liked as much any other time. But for whatever reason, the mood struck me and I'm like, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. And it's like, I have to acknowledge how bad this show is, but it, it was enjoyable. And for me to say, like, again, I know, like, the, the I've got, the, I think I see the pitchforks outside my door right now for saying, <laughs> you know, that I enjoyed this more than Fruits Basket. But um, I recognize it's not anywhere near as good of a show as Fruits Basket is. So I can't, <laughs> I can't give it a better score. You gave it a sure. worse score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think 1.5 might be kind, honestly. Uh, but. There you have it. All right, Ferretta. Aichan. Aichan. Uh, I don't even want to say yeah, it. Yeah. Aichan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. 
The next one on our list here is a show that I drafted. Um, it is called Astra Lost in Space, or Kanata no Astra. It is done by Studio Lersh, um, who has done things like Assassination Classroom, um, uh, Classroom of the Elite, they love classrooms apparently, uh, Scum's Wish, School Live, uh, they have a decent pedigree. Um, the anime starts out, uh, there's this group of students that are going on uh, what is called Space Camp, where they are being dropped off on a distant planet because this is the future and space travel is a thing. Um, our group of ragtag students are um, the main character, uh, Aries Spring, who's a bright and bubbly girl. Um, and an important fact about her is that she has photographic memory. Uh, and that will come into play later. I guarantee it. Um, we have Kanata Hoshijima, who is a track star who wants to be an astronaut. Um, we have a girl named Kitri Raffaele, um, and her adopted younger sister, Funicia, uh, Raffaele. Um, there's, I'm just going to go through the entire cast so we can kind of just get through all of these characters all at once. Uh, <laughs> there's Olger Zweig, who's kind of an emo kid. Uh, there's Luca Esposito, who's a handyman type character uh there's yunha lu who's the shy and reserved uh character that like really has a bad opinion of herself um there's a reason for that there's charge lacroix who's a um posh looking blonde dude zach walker is like uh an insanely smart white-haired guy um and that's all of the students so yeah so they are going on space camp. Uh, and upon reaching the planet that they are designated to stay on for the next, I think it's like a week, maybe 10 days, something like that. Um, they get dropped off. Their teachers leave for some reason. And then instantly a wormhole appears right next to where they're standing on the planet and they slowly get sucked one by one into the wormhole and shot into some um unknown section of space luck is on their side though because sitting right there is a spaceship a fully functioning spaceship um well fully functioning so far as that they can fly it um the communicator is suspiciously broken and they make it their mission to return to Earth and figure out what happened to them. I'm sorry. They should return home and figure out what happened to them. Uh, man. The rest of the show is kind of them going from planet to planet um, as they slowly make their way back to where they live. Um, going through various hardships and stuff like that. There is a, hmm. I think this, <laughs> my review of this is going to be pretty divisive, I think. Um, cause I have a, 
I wouldn't say negative opinion on the show, but <sighs> looking at like the score that it has on my enemy list and just seeing what everyone else uh, said about it um, kind of puzzles me in a lot of ways because while I think it looks fantastic and the characters are a lot of fun, the story does have some good revealing moments and it's kind of mystery elements, but Mm-hmm. A lot of the logic in the show is just insane. It is just incomprehensible in so many I mean, ways. Do you, do you feel like the show tries to be like a, a sci-fi show, though? Oh, I mean, it is a sci-fi show, for like for sure. Uh, yeah. But like zero research was done into <laughs> what sci-fi see, actually thing, means, man. like what space travel it, actually is. Yeah, see, and that's why fine. like Star Wars work, because it didn't try to be a sci-fi show. But if you yeah. try to be a sci-fi show, you kind of have to do your research, I feel like. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, I watched this with Eric, and he's like pretty big into not necessarily like space travel and, you know, space and everything like that. But he he loves airplanes and, um, you know. I guess I would say he knows a good amount about some physics stuff, considering what he does for a living. Um, Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) the number of times that he was just kind of like face palming or just kind of looking around exasperated um, as to logical things just not adding up in the show. It was Mm -hmm. uh, pretty intense. Um, (laughs) I feel like Eric would, would definitely be the kind of person that would... Yeah. Be driven crazy by a kind of show like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the, the show was fun. It was a fun show to watch, and I don't want to take away from that. Um, I I would just say go in with <sighs> tempered expectations and a strong ability to suspend your disbelief. Um, mm. If you know anything about what space travel would actually be like. Um, like they get rid of a lot of the hardships of space, um, especially a journey like this. Like the first planet that they get to, they need to find food. Um, but it's all foreign food, you know, foreign plants, foreign animals. They have no idea what's edible, what's not. And so I think it was Luca was able to make a device that you just touch the food to it and it says either yummy or bad (laughs) and that's how they determine what stuff is edible no explanation why that works or how that works um but sounds like a pretty good device to have though yeah i wish i had that device honestly (laughs) (laughs) uh let me see so they i wrote down a bunch of stuff there's some stuff that i can't wait to talk to carlos about um so yeah, there's just a lot of like things that just are just so lucky for these students in the show. Like they get sucked into space, um, and I'll talk about how that happens and why that happens later. Uh, but yeah, they get sucked into space, and there's a spaceship right there. Um, <laughs> one of the planets that they land on, um, the wildlife of that planet attacks their ship, and their ship like crashes. Um, and they think that they're doomed because like their thrusters or whatever are broken. And so they can no longer, you know, fly home or anything like that. 
Um, they just actually happened to luck into finding the exact same spaceship on this planet. Um, and we find at this moment that their spaceship can actually be split into three sections and just like put together again with different spaceships parts because it's the same spaceship. So they're able to fix their thrusters and get off that planet. Uh, <laughs> while flying, a meteorite shard hits their spaceship, puncturing a very small hole into their like common area, I guess you would say, where they're all standing having a meeting. Um, and it just looks like an air leak, a small little air leak. Uh, and they're able to patch it up with a gun that shoots glue that hardens on impact. Uh, don't ask me how that works. I don't know. <laughs> um, they, at one point, maybe this is the same episode as the meteorite one, lose power uh, in their ship. Something happens. And in order to turn it back on, they need to connect their backup generator to their main power supply via like six or seven extension cords. Um, and then, oh yeah, they're, they're falling towards the planet. And in order to like activate the gravity well or whatever on the ship so that they can land the spaceship or something like that, um, they have to turn it on by whatever means they need to, but they can't do it because there's an alien flying around. And apparently if there's movement around this thing, it can't turn on. But they're walking around it. I don't know. Again, don't ask me. I don't know. Um, but the kind of big there, I think, are two big reveals in this show um, that I did enjoy, though some of the stuff around them was suspect for me as well. Uh, the first one is they're actually all clones of their parents. Um, then they were made as part of a project, um, to transplant essentially like as you grow older, your body kind of starts dying and then you put yourself into a younger you, um, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, and so we find out that all the people on this space camp are clones of their parents and they were sent out to be killed because they were no longer necessary because there is a new law where they're from um, where memory stuff like transferring memories is, or maybe it was cloning is now illegal. Um, and so if people found out that they were clones, all the people who had, you know, were the originals would be in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. Um, and that spaceship that they found that they were able to repair their spaceship with um, had a woman in its cryo um, named uh, Paulina, I think. Let me see. Yeah, Paulina. Um, and we find out that she was from an exploration group um, that was looking for an inhabitable planet. So that Earth could move off of Earth because an asteroid was set to hit it and destroy it, um, 
rendering it unlivable. And, okay, so here's where things get kind of weird. If they're not weird already. So the current year is 2063. The asteroid was set to hit Earth in 2058. Um, oh my god. I'm trying to remember dates here. <sighs> they were able to get off of Earth in 2057. Like, they were able to complete... They found a new planet. They were able to move people. And the asteroid hit Earth like was foretold. Uh, but we find out that all the kids on this spaceship have no idea what Earth is and that they live on a planet called Astra. And Astra was the planet that everyone was moved to, but no one seems to know what Earth is. Um, I have in my notes here the term country is an outdated geopolitical term and doesn't exist in Astra. Um, Astra history goes um, that World War III was started in 1962 with the Cuban Missile Crisis, but that is false. Wow, man! I, I... Yeah, if you're trying to follow, <laughs> sounds like hard to follow. It honestly, is very I, hard to follow. Um, it's it just gets so convoluted. Um, I had to go back and watch it like three times to fully kind of think that I had wow. a grasp on it. Um, let me see. See, this is a show that if I was reviewing, I think I would have not done it justice at all because I had a hard time following your description there. And yeah. um, it yeah. just sounds so convoluted and com complicated. And uh -huh. do you feel like it, do you feel like that was a detraction from the show or oh, do you think it? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's disappointing. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it totally didn't do it for me. Maybe. I mean, it obviously did it for a lot of other people. Uh, because a lot of mm -hmm. people enjoyed the show. Um, but just the mental gymnastics that I had to go through to even understand what was even happening in the show was just incredible. You know, um, and it's like, good for you if you understood everything and you were able to piece it all together. But, sure. you know, if you can't, and I don't think it should be held against you if it just didn't click with you, uh -huh. of course it's not going to be enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. You know, that... Mm. Interesting. Um, Carlos, here, this one's for you. I When I heard this line, I immediately thought um, that it would be something that you would enjoy. Uh, in their history classes, they're taught that um, the his, like history isn't very important, that they should always be forward-thinking. Um, <laughs> it was just like, uh, no, history is important. Oh, what was the exact wait, plan? I know. Wait, I so that that's what they, that was their thing. History that's is important. What they teach. Always... So yeah. Now, I haven't like you know full disclosure to listener. I haven't uh -huh. watched any yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. Um, if that is supposed to be an homage, I appreciate that because like um, there was a philosopher. Uh, I don't remember his first name is, but everyone will know his last name. Hegel. Well, any people who know philosophy, Hegel. Hegel's history or philosophy on history and then like the need for historians. I can't remember what book it was. His stress, because like, at, at the time Hegel was producing his works, that was Europe's thinking was that 
oh, there's no, there's, there's nothing we can gain from the past. Look at how good the present yeah. is. We're clearly n- killing it. Uh-huh. Um, Hegel's yeah, it... argument against that was historians are are necessary because historians can are can take from the past things that are needed in the present. So like you wouldn't you wouldn't look to like the medieval era for like like gender equality. Like that'd uh-huh. be ridiculous. But like the notion of chivalry and all that, or like you wouldn't look to the like to like the classical era uh, Greece for like um uh, like medical science. Um, okay, not modern medical sciences, like because uh-huh. you know they didn't understand the germ theory of disease. But you might look to you know ancient Athens for like community, like that kind uh-huh. of stuff. So it's like I like it if that's an homage, but I haven't seen the show, and from what I'm hearing, it doesn't really sound like one. So. Yeah. Yeah, the exact line was, uh, we're always taught to look towards the future instead of dwelling on the past. Um, I mean, it, it does bug me, although if it's an homage, awesome. That, that you know, that's awesome. <laughs> it might but be. I have it no doesn't idea. really sound like it is. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's what really happened. So there was a war or something. Something happened. Um we they found out the earth was going to be destroyed by an asteroid so they sent out expeditions they found astra so they can move all of humanity to astra they were able to do that with these wormholes that they could turn on and off at the like with a with a button <sighs> they did that right before earth was destroyed and then to ensure peace on Astra, they decided to erase a hundred years worth of history. And they accomplished this by convincing the population to go along with it. Good luck with that. Wait, what? They got rid of religion. They, God doesn't exist. They, they erased a hundred years of history. How? Just by convincing the population. Yes. That's it. They didn't erase it from people's minds. They just people don't talk they about just, it. They just yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Religion um, doesn't exist, which good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh guns are banned. Good luck with that. Especially and if there are Americans a, on that on that ship. Uh-huh. And there's a unified language. They all speak the oh, same. Oh, for language. fucks. Good luck with that. We fucking tried <laughs> yeah. that shit. Well, not so we. So they accomplished <laughs> this in one generation. <laughs> <laughs> okay that is uh-huh. some wishful fucking thinking japan i know you guys are homogenous but fucking come on <laughs> good lord one generation to erase yeah. religion erase history and completely homogenize the language go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah um i thought you were gonna so- i thought you were gonna say something like i don't know they had them on like some kind of designer drug that like nope that made them forget history and, you know, made them, I don't know, somehow aggressive towards the thought of religion. And and then I, I through a process of schooling and whatever, they just erased the uh-huh. language. But no, one generation, just everything. One generation. Gone. Yeah. Oh, so it's, uh... that makes uh, Paulina, this astronaut that they found, um, the actually, you know, only living human from Earth. Um. And we find out that there's, like, this country on Astra who knows, like, the history (laughs) 
um, and has been, you know, kind of keeping it under wraps uh, because everyone's forgotten at this point because they convinced the population. Um, and one of the clones was a member of or one of the clones, his original is the king of that nation. And the king of the nation was conspiring with these other people to make these clones so that they could have a fallback for whatever reason, if they get old and they want a younger body or whatever. Um, and so he sent his clone with this group of kids to murder all of them. Um, so they had like a spy in their midst. Yes. And that's, they, they kind of like re- reveal that early on that one of them is like a traitor. Uh, because someone destroyed their communications once they get once they got on the ship, um, and Zach was able to tell like, oh, this was recent that they were able to destroy this um, somehow, some way. Um, but a wrench. So the the traitor is Charles Lacroix. Um, he's the you know the clone of the king. Um, and you know, he was kind of a forgotten individual in this kingdom. And so he was happy that he was finally given something to do, uh, by murdering all these other clones. Uh, but he, over the course of their journey started to, you know, think of them as friends and he finally had friends, but he still wanted to complete his mission. But the one wrench in his plan is that airy spring is the clone of the king's daughter, and he can't bring himself to kill her. And so they kind of have, you know, confrontations and stuff. They they essentially convince him not to. Uh, Kanata, like the second main character to Ares, ends up losing his arm in this wormhole that Charles is able to control with a remote uh, that apparently sends them to Earth, because that's where it's linked to. So now Kanata's arm is in space around earth <clears throat> huh yeah uh and then they get back to astra uh reveal you know the uh the whole scheme everyone all the originals get arrested um and then you know they live happily ever after there's like even a, a little time skip uh we see that uh aries and canada get together which i'm happy about uh Keytree and zach are an item, which I'm happy about. Um, everyone pretty much is able to achieve their dreams that we've learned over the course of the show. And like, that's fantastic. Cause I actually really do like all these characters. Uh, the characters were definitely not the problem with this show. Um, so it's satisfying to see them get that kind of conclusion. And it's <laughs> honestly satisfying to get a conclusion in any way. Um, Cause just most anime doesn't do it. Uh, but this is, it was based on a manga that was completed in only like 12 volumes or something like that. So they were able to just do it, uh, which is cool. Uh, but man, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't envy you because I, I have seen a lot of people, you know, being pretty high on the show. I haven't watched it, so I don't know, but it, yeah. I don't envy you the position of having to be like, I do not like this show that a lot of other people like. Yeah, yeah. It's like I didn't hate the show. Um I enjoyed it. It's it's kind of what Jeff was talking about uh with uh 
Ari Freta, mm. where I just don't think it's a very good show, honestly. Uh, but I enjoyed it a lot, mostly because of the characters, and it looked really good. Um, so it's just kind of a hard place for me. It's like, how much weight do you put on good science compared to just fun characters? Um, and in this instance, the uh, atrocious lack of plausibility in any way kind of really drove me mad um so i'm gonna have to give the show a bad score well not a bad score i'm gonna give it a two and a half i think the characters and the visuals do save it in a lot of ways uh but it's not a show that i could ever recommend to people unless i do like the the huge caveat like just don't worry about any of the space stuff just worry about the character interactions but Hmm. Yeah, I had higher hopes, and they were not met. Yeah, well, at least you enjoyed some part of it, the characters yeah. and stuff like that. Um, Kitty best girl. That's that's not a caveat in the next one because I actually did kind of enjoy this one, um, with a few exceptions. Um, the next show is uh, one of the shows that I drafted. Uh, this is Hensuki. Or the English title, uh, Hensuki, are you willing to fall in love with a pervert as long as she's a cutie? Um, which, I mean... <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, the, the, the answer to that question, I feel like most of our community is yes. Are you willing to fall in love? Yeah, are you willing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not only am I willing, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this show uh, was brought to us by Studio 7 and Studio Geek Toys. Um, old one-two punch of um of studios uh <laughs> studio seven they've done uh i don't understand what my wife or what my wife is saying as well as my wife is a student council president so two of my favorite shorts right there um and studio geek toys hasn't done a whole lot uh rewrited and plunderer um hmm. which i haven't seen either of them so you let me know how you feel about those shows listener uh but i'm gonna let you know about how i felt about this show uh geek toys which i'm sorry that's the studio hensuki that's the show drinking apologies anyway uh so the show starts um with our protagonist uh this just right off the bat this is a harem so if you don't like harems maybe skip to the next show uh <laughs> the main character whose name is keiki uh kiryu um and uh, Kiki is a very typical kind of um, harem protagonist. You know, really, really wants a girlfriend, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, of course, he's surrounded by girls. Um, and uh, he's part of the Shoto Club, uh, essentially the calligraphy club. Uh, he joined it to keep the Shoto Club from closing down. He's also, uh, like, a librarian or whatever. He, you know, he does a lot of stuff. Anyway, um Keiki, you know, very much wants a girlfriend, um, has a friend who's all the girls, you know, really like him. Uh, one day after cleaning up the Shoto Club with uh, all the girls, um, they're not all in the club, by the way, which is really weird, but they all just kind of gravitate around him. Anyway, after cleaning up the, the Shoto Club um, and, you know, telling the girls, you know, I'll 
take care of the rest. Just, you know, go home. He go, uh, comes back to the club room and uh, inside the club room on a desk, there is a envelope with a love letter in it, you know, uh, addressed to him with no name on it and a pair of pink panties sitting on top of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this kind of spurs Keiki on to um, uh, find out which of his uh, girl acquaintances wants to be his girlfriend. Um, and then I'll just kind of go through the cast of, of girls at this point. Uh, there's Sayuki Tokihara, who is actually in the Shoto Club. She's the, the president of the Shoto Club. Um, and she is the tall and very well-endowed girl. Um, then there is uh, Yuika Koga, who is the petite uh, blonde um, librarian, who you know is also fellow librarians with Keiki. It just kind of follows him to the Shoto Club because she doesn't like Sayuki. Uh, she calls her uh, Maho-senpai, or witch-senpai. Witch um, and there's uh, Mao Nanjo, uh, who... You know, until her character episode, I don't know what the hell she was supposed to be. She just kind of <laughs> hung around. She wasn't part of the Shoto Club. She just, just hung around Keiki. Um, these these are the girls initially. I'll get into like another character later. Um, but uh, so Keiki is trying to figure out which girl left him the love letter and panties, um, and he starts referring to the girl in question as his Cinderella, uh, which is, you know. That did actually give me a bit of a chuckle because, you know, the whole uh, glass slipper to panties dilemma is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and the the first reveal, uh, he, he initially goes after Sayuki, the, you know, the large-breasted uh, Shoto Club president. Uh, and he presses her and, you know, like, I know your secret, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it turns out she didn't leave the letter. She thought when he when he said, I know your secret, that he'd found out that she is a tremendous masochist oh. and she wants him to be her master and for him to treat her like a literal dog. Um, from here, every episode, like every time we got a, another episode with another girl, I was like, well, it's not her because I knew the end like. So it, this is the same kind of dilemma, uh, Jeff, where it's like, I know this is bad, but I'm enjoying this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because every episode, like, every time a girl came up, I was like, well, I can scratch her off the list. It's definitely not fucking her. Um, <laughs> and by, like, episode six, I'm like, well, I know who it is. Unless you introduce a new character right fucking now, I know who it is. Um, but so we'll, we'll progress. Uh, Yuika, he thinks it's her. The blonde girl, uh, turns out it's not. Her secret is she wants him to be her slave. Um because <laughs> she's a, the tr a tremendous sadist, yes. Uh-huh. Uh Mao is my least favorite character. Like I okay, full uh disclosure, like I don't mind Fujoshi characters. As a matter of fact, there's a couple I loved. Uh the main character of Kiss Him Not Me, and uh there's a couple of Fujoshi characters in um Princess Jellyfish, which I fucking love Princess Jellyfish. Mao was just was just there to be a Fujoshi. <laughs> like, there's a little bit about, like, you know, 
about her at the end, but like she, I honestly think Mao served no purpose except, except to be like, so again, so Mao, it turns out she didn't, wasn't interested in Keiki. She wanted him to stay away from girls because she's a Fujoshi and she's a doujin artist and she's been making doujins about Keiki and his best friend Shoma, who is the good looking guy, about them being, you know, in a relationship together. And all the girls are really into this this doujin. So every time they want to get one over on Keiki, they just bring out Mao's, you know, uh what do you call it? Mao's um doujin. Which I will admit the name of the doujin was pretty was pretty um, clever because uh, the guy's like his best friend's name is Shoma and his name is Keiki. So the the what do you call it the uh, uh, the title was Shortcake Shoto Keiki. So mm. I, I appreciated that like <laughs> nice. the little play on like like the play on words in English through Japanese. I'm like you know what a for effort guys that was really good. Um, but yeah, Mao was just she was. Such an interesting character, and then it's like, oh, she's just a Fujoshi. And I think the problem with that is, like, and again, I love OPs, and this OP is really, like, really fun. The OP totally gave away that she was a Fujoshi. Like, after... Mm. Uh, like, oh, at, I hate that. After, after... Oh, see, you have to be looking for it, but, like, so we get Sayuki's reveal, right? Then we get Yuika's reveal. And, like, after that, there's, like, a teaser for that Mao is going to be in the next episode and that she's going to be, you know, the, the next girl. Then you're paying attention to the OP and you're like, oh, got it. Fujoshi. Noted. Just, like, it wasn't hard to figure out, which just, like, it, it kind of killed any of the anticipation. The reason I love the show, or I was just love, I like, I really enjoyed the show was because of the girls and like they kind of carried it for me because the mystery did not um <laughs> i just hate it when ops or eds spoil anything from a show and i think a lot of shows have been doing better with like changing them as the show progresses but yeah that sucks i hate when they do that uh even if it doesn't matter much <laughs> eventually we get um like i think by episode six we get to ayano fujimoto who is a girl they introduced out of the blue and i'm like that that was the last time i was i was really worried about whether or not like i didn't know who the uh quote-unquote cinderella was <clears throat> because fujimoto kind of came out of the blue she was in one scene in the very first episode and i'm like oh they got it okay they got me cool no it just turns no. <laughs> out she's she's really into into smell into bo and she's kind of locked on to keiki's bo and she's kind of <laughs> wants to smell them all the time which i'm like huh. all right cool i you know what i I don't hate her, but you're not going to get with her. And she rarely shows up after that. As a matter of fact, I think after her character episode, after like the, the one episode of buildup and then the, the reveal, I think we don't see her till the end. Like <laughs> until the very end, like she's so unimportant. She, it makes me feel bad though. Cause she, she looks like Ram, you know, uh, Ram's brother or uh -huh. brother's sister. Oh, excuse you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm drinking again. Apologies to any Ram fans out there. <laughs> Um, how dare you <laughs> anyway um so yeah but after this i mean i knew who it was but we'll get into that in a second they they stop and split off because um keiki gets uh blackmailed by a mysterious girl uh, who saw him have to fetch handcuff keys out of out of sayuki's <laughs> cleavage because she's a 
she's a dumb girl. She's a dumb dog girl. And she <laughs> locked herself in handcuffs and then dropped the keys in her cleavage. Um, I, I She's my favorite, by the way, for <laughs> two really good reasons. Anyway. Uh-huh, I see. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so he gets, uh, Keiki gets blackmailed. He gets blackmailed by a gay name. By a girl named uh, Koharu Otori. And after a little bit of confusion, it's brought out that uh, Koharu is actually very, very interested in Shoma, um, Keiki's best friend. Hmm. Um, <laughs> this arc, I really wanted to like it. And at the end, it was so disappointing. So Shoma is, or I'm sorry, so, uh, uh, Koharu is a very petite girl, but she's older than Keiki. Um, so, you know, he's. Got to call her senpai or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's established that Shoma is a lollicon. <laughs> uh, oh, great. And I was like, because because the, 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 this um, uh, arc was like, all right, Koharu, like Keiki and Koharu are going to hide the fact that she is their senpai. And she's going to call, you know, Shoma uh shoma senpai or akiyama senpai or shoma senpai or whatever she calls him at the time um and you know really kind of butter him up and stuff like that because she's head over heels in love with him and she reveals to him that uh you know uh i'm actually older than you by a year i'm actually a senpai but i you know i'm really interested in you Do you want to go out with me and here i was thinking okay here's here's your opportunity to be like you know it's okay to like petite girls so long as you're not actively going after little girls and he says something to the effect uh, it, it's funny because the translation is garbage it actually the translation for this scene he says i'm sorry i have a lollicon which is not at all what he said he says i'm sorry i'm a lollicon and completely rejects her eventually like this gets kind of fixed but i'm like Man, way to fuck that <sighs> that yeah, way to fuck that that whole art completely up. Like cause she's she's his age and a petite girl. I'm like, she's the body type you're going for, you fucking weirdo. But you are so set on a girl who's completely illegal that you're just oh god. Why is this considered okay? Uh, <laughs> just another anime that does uh. this shit to me. I mean, so so destroyer of anime. So Koharu isn't completely innocent. She's a like a complete stalker. Like the she's she's part of the astronomy club or whatever. And um, instead of having pictures of stars all over the astronomy club, it's like wall to wall Shoma, Um, which understandably weirds him out. Like when he when he comes to see her, he's like, "Let's start as friends." (laughs) Well, see, and no, sorry, let me backtrack. So uh-huh. he comes in, she's crying. I'm pissed off because I'm like, you know, fuck this anime. Um, and he's like, he's like, you know, I could, I'm going to work on it. Let's start as friends. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Fine. That's, that's a decent way to fix the complete fuck up. It's, it's nowhere near Hajimete no Gal levels of insulting. Sure. Um, I'm still kind of mad about this, but the way they kind of get it to where, shoma comes out kind of on top as they turn on the lights and he sees all the pictures and he's like maybe i was right and i'm like that's not the note you want to end off on on this it's just bad all around yeah everything feels bad yeah it like i'm glad that that was like that was relegated to like 
an episode and a half, but I was just like, at the end of that episode, I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Uh, but they go back to, to you know, Keiki trying to find out, you know, who the Panty Cinderella girl is. And um, uh, we go through episode after episode of him, you know, with the different girls. He, he agrees to become uh, Sayuki's master for a day. Turns out it's not her. Also turns out she likes going commando. Another point for her in my book. Um, he agrees to be Yuika's butler, her slave for a day. Turns out it's not her. Uh, eventually it comes out, I think in like the summer swimsuit poolside beach episode, whatever it was, that um, Keiki's sister, who I haven't mentioned yet, uh, Mizuha Kiryu, was the one who left in the letter and the panties. Now, here's where it gets really stupid. I mean, it, it okay. like, like before it was pretty dumb. Wow. But here's where <laughs> it gets real. Like Mizuha this whole time has been a really, really cool. I, I figured it was her because there was no other girl. And I'm like, all right, I wonder how they're going to spin this. So Mizuha has been kind of like this, this really kind of calming force for Keiki and, and like a really funny character, honestly, because like her banter with Keiki is just is a lot of fun. Um and actually some of it kind of put me in mind of um Rascal does not uh, dream of but Bunny Girl Senpai, that kind of stuff. Mm. Kind of. Okay. Like like the light version of that. Sure. Um, and less romantic. Um but <laughs> uh so at the end of the show when he figures out that Mizuha sent him the the letter and the panties you know she tells him how much she loves him etc etc and then she kind of drops the bomb that they're not related ah perfect um and the way she does this is the dumbest shit like oh not for her for him uh she's like your birthday is uh, in october like we're born on like nearish the same (sighs) year my birthday's in march that's a difference of five months how do you think that worked? And he looks at her and says, mom and dad tried really, really hard. Holy I, shit. You're a high school student. What the fuck did you just say? Do you know the gestation period for a human baby? What is wrong with you? Anyway. So, yeah, that kind of I had to pause. I had to pause and I had to take a long look at my life. Because um, <laughs> that was dumb as shit. <laughs> Ah, so it turns out he just, okay, real quick. I know we might not all remember or like when we were little, little kids that well, but I think I would remember when a new member entered my family. At least, at least when I was like four or five, I would have remembered that shit. Like, I don't remember my younger sister being born when I was two, but every sister and brother after that, I fucking remember that shit. He didn't remember, and he looked like he was like four or five, that at that age, his parents brought home a little girl and said, she's younger, your younger sister now, because I, apparently her parents were in an accident, which means her parents were probably family anyway. Anyway, anyway, so he didn't remember that he had promised her that they'd be together forever when they were little kids, um, or the fact, you know, that... that <laughs> that she wasn't blood related to him he just kind of 
threw it in the back of his mind and assumed, which makes him the dumbest fucking character. Like, hair protagonists are dumb to begin with, but he, he is, he's running for gold. Like, like this guy, this guy's impressed. Like, I, I want a stat sheet of, of how dumb this fucking guy is. Like, we can make a sport out of it. Anyway. <sighs> uh, eventually, he takes some time to think about it. He talks to the other girls. And he comes to the decision that he's not going to enter a romantic relationship with the girl. He's just, he's, you know, treated like a sister for all these years, which I appreciated. Sure. Um, that instead he's just going to be a really good older brother. And I'm like, okay. Immediately you have points over the, the or emo ending. Uh, so there's that. Spoiler. But the, yeah, spoiler. Uh, but the, um, uh, the ending is is, I mean, after that, at, like it's it's pretty much a harem ending. Um, we're all still hanging out in this club room. All the girls are still interested in me because I'm a clueless dipshit. Uh, the end. <laughs> <sighs> so I did enjoy this show, <laughs> but with some huge caveat. Like I think I, there are parts of it. Like I would have enjoyed it way way more. It looked really good. Like, parts of it put me in, in mind of um, Saikano, actually. Um, a lot of the character design, like, especially around the eyes, put me in mind of Saikano. It looked really good. Some, I, In a couple places it faltered, but very rarely. And for a harem, that's pretty impressive. Like, normally I'm, I'm, I'm happy when they just break even. Um, but the... <laughs> The Shoma being like Shoma's a piece of shit. What a like I love Koharu too. And it's like he's such a piece of shit. I hate that character. <laughs> and then Keiki's such a moron. I can't be mad at him. He's just so fucking stupid. <laughs> I I feel like I, I feel like his level of stupidity warrants like some kind of like government grant. Like the government needs to be paying <laughs> his family because he's he is not fit for human society. <sighs> This is why this is why hentai harems are better because at least the protagonist isn't isn't so much of a dipshit that he ignores all the signals. <sighs> all right, I guess I gotta score this bitch, don't I? Uh huh. Two out of five. I was gonna say two point five, but that it would have been just just like plain okay if it wasn't for Shoma. <laughs> And he's not even that like egregious. He's not as egregious as as what's his name from Hajimete no Gal. It's just if he had never had an arc, it would have been amazing. If Kohara was just a part of Keiki's, like a dumbass Keiki's, you know, harem, fine. But oh God, I just why, like why, why actively put a lollygod in your show? Oh god, uh, it kills me. And then why make him like unattracted to the the one girl who looks like a lolly, but she's just older than him? Uh, yeah, that's like the that's the defense against people who like lolly. It's like, well, they're of age. That's the defense, and they sunk the defense. Yeah, it, it's like yeah. it's like being given like like it's it's like being on a murder trial. And, like, your lawyer has the most solid fucking defense. And you go up on the stand and you're like, but I did it. Like, <laughs> it's that lo- it's like that level yeah. of fucking, like, like your defense lawyer is like, and there goes my career. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. 
the point of the matter I'm trying to get at is don't fuck your defense lawyer. Um, I don't know where well, I'm going I mean, with this. You do you, but <laughs> maybe not in court. Okay, okay, maybe maybe fuck your defense lawyer. Well, it could be like um, uh, Jim Carrey's boss in Liar Liar. She was pretty hot. You guys remember that movie? That was a good movie. Let's no, re- let's think about that. that. Let's not think about the Lollicon and the show I just watched. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's actively how I live my life. <laughs> Not thinking about lollicons. Um, okay, well, kind of a rough uh, segue into this next show. Uh, the show that is named, if it's for my daughter, I'd even defeat a demon lord. Uh, thankfully, no lollicon-ism in this show. Yeah, not that I can think of. No. Um <laughs> though eh, i won't get into that anyways <laughs> yes this is a show i drafted um as i said if it's for my daughter i'd even defeat the demon lord i'm not going to read the japanese title because it's like 13 sentences um but it's about an adventurer named dale recky um and while he is out adventuring he uh comes across a young demon girl who can't speak um or can barely speak the demon language, um, who is like malnutrition. Uh, what? How do you say that word? Malnourished. Malnourished. Thank you. I was malnutritious. Um, <laughs> that's not a word. Well, you don't want to eat her either, so that's technically <laughs> no, true. No, you, sure. Okay. <laughs> Save myself there. Um, malnourished. Uh, and he decides to take her under his wing and become her well adoptive at guardian at first like surrogate father and then and then yeah eventually like adoptive father yeah um and it's just kind of a show about the relationship between the two of them Mm -hmm. um uh and just kind of watching this young girl who is named uh latina as she kind of uh adapts to the human world that she is now living in uh, as she makes friends and goes on adventures with dale um and it's just a, a fun cute little show uh it's done by studio maho film and according to my anime list this is their first anime so not a bad debut not bad uh there were moments early on uh that i thought looked pretty atrocious yeah it's mostly it does get rough. mostly secondary background character kind of stuff mm-hmm. um i felt <laughs> i felt like every time latina was on the screen like you saw where their budget went it <laughs> went to her because she's the focus of the show and damn it she is just adorable she is really cute um but yeah um i don't know what what were your thoughts about the show, Carlos? Because so, I know you watched this one. I I do agree that it was it was very cute. Um, I was surprised at how dark it got at times. Yeah. Um, because it, uh, honestly, just the one time. No, really. Uh, uh, no, I I mean, so I mean, like a, a lot of people didn't mention this at all, but from what I saw, so so the one time you're talking about, yeah. Uh, so Dale, I mean, uh, Latina uh, eventually gets uh, ad- admitted into school, you know, because he's a child and. You know, as much as 
people like to joke she's about. She's 10 years old in this anime, I guess. Yeah, I think. As, like as much as the dollop likes to joke about, you know, at this age, she's an adult, you know, in medieval times, and they are in like a medieval <laughs> era. Um, you know, kids still did go to school. So she's she's in primary school. Um, but she uh, she's admitted, and uh, one of the human teachers is a tremendous racist and actually like beats her um and berates her about her and chokes yeah, like her holds her, her by her hair and horn yeah or whatever um because she hates devils um mm-hmm. and there is like an underlying current they talk about how there's like tension between devils and humans and, and other races yeah. and stuff like that um that is a really dark moment and it's it gets even darker because Lat- latina uh when dale finds her she has one broken horn devils have you know yes. two horns um and it's mentioned that uh that only devils that have committed a crime and been exiled have a broken horn. So it's strange that a little girl like Latina has a broken horn because, you yeah. know, what could she have possibly done mm-hmm. um, to get this punishment? Um, but Latina, it kind of after this, you know, um, racist tirade and stuff like that and ashamed of her own heritage, uh, yeah, she goes... Wishing she wasn't the devil and... Yeah. She, or demon, rather. She goes home and she actually breaks off her other horn, which, you know, anybody with even like the most minimal knowledge of animal husbandry knows that you know blood flows to those things those are appendages so she starts bleeding pretty profusely which i was like holy shit this got really dark yeah and it was Uh, she used destruction magic that dale had taught that's right that's what it was right before he left on his trip yeah uh because he was gone during this whole incident um and dale comes and he's got you know Dale, we haven't mentioned this, is like the absolute head honcho adventure. Like he is the absolute shit. Like he knows magic. He's great with uh the sword. He's got like insane political pull, and Mm -hmm. he's only twenty years old or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So he goes and he pulls some strings and gets that teacher shit canned, which. On one hand, I'm happy never comes up again. On the other hand, I'm a little disappointed never comes up again because they play yeah. it up like, oh, she's pissed. She just got fired from, you know, her really safe job as a teacher. Um, so clearly she's coming back. Never comes back. No, but the 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 dark stuff like for me, too. I mean, we, we're we know that Latina is a devil, right? And early on, we see yeah. Dale go on a on a mission where he yeah, straight up kill. fucking murks some devils. Like, like they're not really doing anything. They're conducting some kind of trade. They're not, as far as I can tell, they're not um, breaking any laws or anything like that. He was ordered to kill, and he fucking kills. So, to yeah. me, Dale's not really, you know, a, a 100% clean character. I like, I kind of like no. that about him. Like, kind of like the Han Solo effect. Like, you know, you're a good guy. But you don't always do good things, you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I thought like there were a few times where I was like, "Holy shit, this is actually pretty dark for like a really cutesy, you know, dad and daughter uh, anime." Yeah. Um, yep. Other than that, though, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is a very cute, you know, dad and daughter anime. It's a lot of uh, Dale. Like the latter half of it is like a lot of Dale taking latina on a trip and yeah a lot of her experiencing new things and us being like she's effing adorable i want to see her doing new things um yeah i don't think i've ever seen 
Uh, Uno. Okay, I was. Gonna, I don't think I've ever seen like a character turn, a uh, personality wise, so much between Dale in adventure mode and Dale in uh, pampering La- Latina mode. Okay, that's one thing I want to bring up. So <laughs> I enjoy. I I enjoy dad and daughter animes. I love, uh, sweetness and lightning. Dale. Yeah. Dale might be what makes me score like rate the show less because sure. him in adventure mode is like awesome him in pampering mode it's the most annoying voice like not maybe not the most annoying voice but it's so it's pretty annoying, annoying. <laughs> like he's so high yeah god it's so high pitched and like, why couldn't he have just been like the sweetness and lightning dad like a very understanding dad a dad who you know very much treasures his daughter because she's cute and you know doesn't want boys around her because you know he's a dad but yeah but like he's so over the top with Latina that it just grates on my nerves. Yeah, I agree. Thankfully, like they did have a solid kind of supporting cast, so it wasn't yes. just a hundred percent him. Yes, absolutely. You know, doting on Latina. I really loved um Rita and uh, uh what was his name? Her Damn husband, the, the, Sh- the innkeeper. Schmidt. Yeah. Oh, what was his name? I think you're right, it's Schmidt. Was it Schmidt? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they were they were awesome, just an awesome couple. Um, oh no, Kenneth, 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 Kenneth. Who's that's Schmidt? right. Anyway, I don't know. That name came to mind, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth, <laughs> obviously and, not important. Yeah, Kenneth and Rita are like the the people who run the the inn that uh, that Dale has like permanent residence in, uh-huh. um, and they allow her and, to come uh, in, and they're super super nice people, and yeah. like Kenneth teaches. Uh, her how to cook and Rita teaches her how to wait tables and yeah it's so cute the entire like cast of like the bar patrons oh you mean the all the whipped older men I fucking love those guys (laughs) and you know who's the best yeah fucking Jilvester that guy yeah dude that guy is my fucking hero oh what a bro I want to buy that old man a beer like yeah. straight up that guy like it, he's a side character but he's so fucking cool he gets yeah like you know he helps out latina he's so nice like he's just like this older adventurer who's just such a nice dude and he he deserves his own anime damn it uh, yeah and i mean they like they say multiple times that he's just like an insane badass yeah uh who who's maybe slightly past his prime but still can destroy yeah. you where is my jovester no. anime <laughs> yeah seriously um but yeah i i really enjoyed kind of the the arcs that the show went through um the the whole you know the school one where she gets abused by the teacher and then breaks her horn is pretty dark and pretty sad but but i mean uh, they rebound pretty well from it yeah it it brings her together with her her like her school friends chloe and rudy and and marcel yeah yeah like like she she gains friends from you know across the city um, I did like, uh, uh, like the little bit of world building we get in the school where they're talking about how um, the school is is very much a public school because one of the girls uh-huh. is uh, um, like a rich girl, a rich girl, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, you must be from such and such district, you know, you're a rich girl, and but <laughs> you know, uh, Latina has a way of bringing people together and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. um, the, yeah. the the second half, the second arc um, of them traveling to Dale's hometown. Was, that was fantastic. Was kind of nice, yeah. I, I enjoyed the when they met up with the the devil singer, in yes, um, Glarus. Yeah, 
and we got a she was absolutely adorable we got a little bit of backstory about the like the devil kingdom and you know uh devils themselves because um she was in love with a, a human man and um because devils live you know and ridiculously long infinitely time infinitely longer lives yeah, yeah. so it, it's kind of like the the elf human uh dynamic with uh within like the tolkien universe so i was like mm-hmm. oh that's kind of cool so you know latina is worried because you know dale's a human um yeah and sh- she'll probably just barely be in her teens by the time he's dead um um if I that mean, i mean she's only 10 years younger she's, but, yeah i wait, guess he's what, an really? adventurer so who knows yeah she's 10 and he's 20 yeah, but that's what that's what I'm saying. If she lives, if they live that much longer, like she might just look like a few years older by the time he's an old man and dead. De- uh, depending yeah, on, I don't what know, the I don't know how demons, is. yeah, exactly, yeah, they don't really explain any of that. No, and then we get the um, we get the furry village. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. That was like I didn't, I like I, I'm not gonna knock it. I was just kind of like. All right. Well, they just stopped here and there was no real like, here's why we're here or like no reveals or anything. It's just like there is a race of oh, beast the, men here. And yeah, no, they were there Dale because. Yeah. Yeah. Dale was related to that one guy. The like. Yeah. He's like half. Dude. Yeah. And and They're we like, get the. Yeah. His their cousins or whatever. We, oh, my God. The, I, the I, crying I think baby. That, the most annoying character in this anime, Maya. the crying baby, Maya. Yeah, <laughs> she was cute, but yeah, the crying bit. I was like, all right, you guys played that out entirely too much. God, yeah, just like the the whole like animal latching onto mother kind of bit that. Yeah, Maya latching onto Latina. What's it called when ducks do that? Imprinting is that what uh, it's called? Yeah, imprinting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I got from that. But then we get to yeah, Dale's sure. Dale's hometown, and Dale's hometown is pretty much. From what I what I understood from it, it's pretty much just like a Japanese village. Like yeah. it's like a Japanese village amongst um a bunch of like European countries and they uh-huh. they keep their um their autonomy by lending their services out to the local lord because they're apparently really badass uh um adventurers and they, they make some really outstanding like magic resistant <laughs> clothes or whatever. Uh-huh. And yeah, that's where we kind of find out like what Dale's name really means. Like the Recky is not actually his family name; that's his position in the village. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, because the Recky's the one that goes out. Yeah, yeah. And fights the demons. Um, and yeah, then we we get the the grandma's fantastic. I loved her. Yeah, she's great. Um, just a troublemaker. The whole family. The, <laughs> they're like trying to kill him as he gets into town, just to make sure he's staying, you know, on his game. And that he's sharp, yeah. Now, the, the, yeah, like this, this, the whole secondary arc, I appreciated a lot more because because there was so much happening, there was less time for Dale to be obnoxious. Like yes. Dale yes. spoke like a human, which I appreciated. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. I I really I love the the whole um kind of uh, interaction with the oh what were they called the the fox flying oh what yeah 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 I don't remember what they're called but they're like a like they're like a race of um like of uh, like hyper intelligent foxes um yeah animal people well they're not animal people they're they're you know they're f- full animals they're just regular animals but they're they can like telepathically you know no they they speak with their mouths right speak. um 
No, I think it's telepathically. Okay, so yeah, they they telepathically communicate and like in return for like a place to hang out and like stuff to eat, they like let the humans take their discarded fur, which is like they weave into their clothes and charms yeah, and stuff like because that. They're like greater um Ah oh, man, there's so many terms I'm just forgetting. Like greater animals in this like in this world and yeah, the, their some, mere presence is enough to like dissuade other lesser beasts. Yeah, yeah. They're like they're like a higher level of animal that's like magical and stuff like that. And of course, because Latina is, you know, adorable, she makes friends with them immediately. I think there's something else to that. I think I mean we don't we like get hints about like who her mother is. Um, just like small tidbits here and there, but I That's think true. she's probably, and they mention like repeatedly how there's no longer a first demon lord or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking she's probably the offspring of the first demon lord, or no, not the offspring, but the uh, the chosen one. Yeah. Or like like I think that's a how they put it of some kind. Well, yeah, because I think they. They said the only people that can become demon lords in this world, or the only demons that can become demon lords, are the ones chosen by the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has all the signs kind of pointing to her being, you know, the next demon lord. Maybe that's why she was outcast and with her horn broken. See, I would... Uh, probably by the other demon lords. I would be interested for them to make more seasons of this show purely because of, like, the intrigue they've set up. Um, uh-huh. Like, well, not not just that. I mean, I I do enjoy the characters. I mean, I I could I could really do with a lot less of Dale's voice when he's sure doting on Latina. But <laughs> I think the the main thing I would come back for, uh, aside from the other things that I enjoyed, is all the intrigue they set up and just kind of left there. And I'm like, I need to know. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> they they yeah. I mean, they definitely leave it off with a lot of room. I know there's like eight light novels, and I think there's only covered two. Oh yeah, no, for for sure there's there's, so there's gotta still be more. Plenty. So hopefully, this does well enough. I I can't say I'm expecting it to, but if it yeah. does, I'm not gonna cry, especially if we get more Yovester because that guy's the shit. Yeah, he is, and Latina because she's um, adorable. I'm interested in uh the one blonde elf girl. Whose name just left my head? Wait, who? Um, that he's traveling with at the end, the the mage girl, right? The one he's like got a like a history with, but they never go into yeah, it. The, yes, yeah. He like had a crush on, but they were maybe dated at some point. But right, right, yeah. right, right. Because they they also bring up with her the whole like some species live extraordinarily long lives compared to humans, and the whole relationship thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's an elf, so I think she also is blessed with long life. So, I don't know. It, it was an interesting show. It was a cute show, um, a fun show. It did have some questionable moments, but I enjoyed it immensely, which is more than I can say for some of the shows I watched this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, and I definitely hope for more. I think I'd give it a three point five. Yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. It probably would have gotten a four if if not for Dale. <laughs> Damn it, Dale! <sighs> Which is just a shame because he's so cool. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. 
hopefully as Latina kind of gets older, he'll become less uh less doting. Uh, maybe not doting, but less uh I don't know. See, I don't mind if he was doting. He's just he's over yeah, the top fine, with it. But yeah. He'll tone down in his old age. His old twenty five year old <laughs> age or whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, from that to um to a show that uh our own Phil would uh I'm not did he watch the show? He had to watch the show. Uh we we were watching it together, but we only got a few episodes in. I have no idea if he's seen any more of it. No. But okay. Well yeah. It's definitely made for him. Yeah. No, it's you know what though? I really loved it. And that's a spoiler for my review or for wow. my score for uh how heavy are the dumbbells you lift? Um it's a show that came out um this last summer from studio Noga Kobo, who have done Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, uh, Yuri Yuri, uh, Love Lab, etc. Et They've done a lot of stuff. They have quite the resume as a studio. Excuse me. Um, this is a very episodic anime um, about workout, but surprisingly fairly educational as well. Um, it uh, follows a girl named uh, Hibiki Sakura, who um, is kind of a tan gyarush character who really loves to eat. And you know what? I'm right there with you. Um, but she, you know, she's a high school girl, so she wants to stay in shape. So she checks out the local gym. Uh, it's like a play on Gold's Gym. I can't remember what the name of it was. I, oh, Silverman Gym. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and she she goes because it just recently was built and got opened. Um, there she meets um, Akemi uh, Soryuin, who is a like kind of rich girl, prim proper. She's you know so Hibiki's surprised to see her there, and they both go there for their first um, like. I don't know, like practice lesson before, you know, you actually pay for the membership or whatever. Um, and there we learn that uh, their instructor, whose name is I was Machio, I want to say. Yeah, some stupid. Machio like... something or other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is like, so hear me out listener um if you've ever seen the simpsons there are two <laughs> characters there's ned flanders and and groundskeeper willie that like when they're in regular clothes they're like normal body size like normal build but then when they take off their like shirt they're like ripped they're like you know <laughs> like that's macho every episode at least once an episode sometimes multiple times macho will flex and his clothes just completely shred off his body. And he is, his head stays the same size. So he is this <laughs> regular headed guy on this ridiculously ripped, like bodybuilder esque body. <laughs> and, you know, like I've had problems with repeated gags in the past. I fucking love Machio. He's such a dork, but I fucking love this character. Man, that one's never gotten old for me. There's a character in Dr. Stone, this old man that does that, and it just makes me laugh every time Yeah, you see just like the unexpected ripped body. Yeah. <laughs> just He flexes and just everything tears off. But 
so yeah, like I said, like I, I don't really have a whole lot to say because it is very, very episodic, and I don't want to spoil episode to episode. Um, let's go over some highlights, um, or you know, I can go over some character. Um, his first name is Naruzo, Naru Naruzo Machio. I'm just gonna call him Machio. Just works anyway. Um, one of the first characters to join the gym is Satomi Tachibana, who is uh, Hibiki's teacher, uh, and she's embarrassed to go to the gym with her students, but eventually she, you know, kind of sees her way to keep going because, you know, she wants to get fit to find a husband or whatever. Um, then there is uh, Ayaka Uedehara, who is Hibiki's friend, and Hibiki's friend from before, and like, friend in like, movie, they're both like, big time movie lovers. Um, but she doesn't immediately start like, coming to the gym because her family owns a boxing gym, and they like, so she's already kind of fit and stuff like that. But eventually she starts coming around uh, during their shenanigans. Um, and there is Gina Boyd, who is a Russian girl who came to uh, who came to Japan because she, in one of the episodes, I believe it's like episode six or seven. She loses a arm wrestling tournament to Hibiki because Hibiki is just like a fucking natural at arm wrestling. Um and so she decides to 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 move to Japan and go to Hibiki's school and join her gym. Um, she's also woefully ignorant on geography uh, because she thinks, like, she mentioned stuff like wanting to go to Thailand and Hong Kong while she's in Japan, which not really near Japan. I mean, near, but not very near to Japan. Not in Japan like she's expecting. So... She's kind of dumb, but, you know, pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not really a whole lot for me to say. Um, like, there's, it's, uh, like, it, it checks off all the boxes, I guess you could say, of, like, sure. of a, of a, um, an episodic show. Like, there is a beach episode where they go to an island <laughs> they go to an island uh that like for the for the the, you know, the like as a promotion for the gym and um they have like a like a you know a beach like workout girl competition um that comes down to Kibiki and Akemi uh in the finals and um Akimi wins because Hibiki's too hungry to bench press. Uh, <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. I'm not, I've never been great at bench pressing, even no. when I was in the military. I always hated that exercise. Um, trying to think. Uh, there's, there's like a Christmas, Christmas and New Year's are basically have their own like little bits. Uh, the New Year's one was, was as, like particularly funny to me because they decide to go to, a gym or no, I'm sorry to a gym sorry they decide to go to a shrine that's dedicated to the god of muscles which is all the way up on top of this mountain and when they get up there the priest that's in charge of the new year's like celebration is Machio because his family his family owns the shrine um so there's a <laughs> bunch of just ripped dudes up there chanting muscles or macho or whatever the fuck um okay i you may have mentioned this and i may have just been zoning out while you said it but i'm looking at the characters here 
There's oh, Barnold yep, Schwarzenegger. Yep, yep, yep. I was going to get to it. Okay. No. Okay. So, holy shit. Yes, yes. There is an amazing, amazing part in this show that I, hold on, I have notes on it. Like, I didn't take notes on the rest of the show because it really doesn't, like, you need to watch the show. If this show sounds funny to you, listener, go watch the show. At, like, it's episodic. You don't need to think a whole lot about it. It's fucking funny. And at the end of each episode, I haven't mentioned this yet, there's workout tips. Watch the end of each episode. Do, like, 10 reps of whatever they're doing. It's really fucking easy. That's pretty cool. Like, I, I like that it was, it's very educational. Um, they, they, sure. like even like during the show, like halfway, like halfway through each like little segment, they do a workout or something and they'll show you on usually on Machio's body, but sometimes on the uh-huh. girl's body. Thank you very much. Anime, um, <laughs> like where exactly the muscles are that you're working out in each exercise. And then of course they'd round it out by showing the girls, you know, not closed, but not showing anything particularly raunchy, uh-huh. um, which again, as an etchy fan, I very much appreciate it. Um, okay, so yes. In and you can look forward to this if you watch the show, listener, in episode nine, there's uh we're introduced to <clears throat> Barnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> uh, who is an American movie actor, uh, who was Machio's uh instructor in college on like I don't know, workout science or whatever the fuck they called it. Uh Um, And he comes to Japan because he wonders why Machio never contacted him. And Machio wonders why he never contacted him. But it's because Arnold dropped his phone in some water and Machio broke his phone while flexing. Oh, my God. so they just like there's this there's this soup like i'm I'm sorry i'm spoiling this for you listener but if you haven't watched this it's your own fucking fault you need to go watch this anime um there's this incredibly tense like tension like tense or tense moment where like you know arnold comes to like and he's he looks like you know arnold in the sort and the arnold in the the terminator (laughs) movies you know well terminator 2 specifically and like there's this tense moment between him and machio where they're like wondering and it's just it's just that one phone was lost, the other phone was destroyed, so they they could never call each other. Um, but but when they when uh-huh. he comes to the gym, because Hibiki and Ayaka are such rabid uh, um, movie fans, uh, they are like apoplectic that the other girls have no idea who this is. Um, they and so and I, I took some notes. They're the the movies that they. <laughs> that they uh quote that he's been in because remember this is Arnold Schwarzenegger so uh, this is like the Wick Donalds of naming a person um he was in The Last Action Predator which I I appreciate that's two movies right there Conan the Red Bull Twin Cops uh which Twins and Kindergarten Cop would have been a really interesting movie smashed together um but then okay then the teacher, uh, Satomi, she says, oh, I think I know about him. Wasn't he in that movie, the action movie, with the famous crash catchphrase, I'll be back? Which you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking Terminator, right? Uh-huh. Ayaka and Hibiki get so pissed off at her because he was not in that movie. <laughs> uh-huh. So... I- <laughs> 
and then um yeah so like like he's he's she's like a little bit shy he's like oh no that wasn't me that was another actor and they got all mad at her it's like how dare you apologize to Barnold or barney or whatever the fuck <laughs> they call him um so Barnold has a uh-huh. a secretary i'm so excited i'm so excited for this <laughs> named jason scatham <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> he doesn't look anything like Jason Statham. He just no, he's, he he's just bald it's with... <laughs> <laughs> And Jason Statham stays in Japan to help Machu out as his personal secretary in some of the like he's part of the he's part of the uh he's part of the beach episode. He was supposed to set some stuff up in the beach episode that like, they were supposed to make like, oh that's right. I completely missed they the girls tried to set up an an all muscle girl idol unit, and okay. And during the New Year's episode, they got themselves on a New Year's television variety hour by being like by being the you know the muscle girl idol. Essentially, they just did workouts on stage. Um, but uh, the ratings for that New Year's variety TV show shot up around there, like like in women between the ages of like 20 to blah 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 um uh-huh. and the the guy who was tr- who like passed him up um in during the idol thing was there like he was the promoter for the variety tv show so him and jason scatham like were going to set up the island as like a candid camera thing for these these girls but they get lost at sea on accident and Barnold shows up in that episode because he gets the the like SOS from Jason and he like comes out of the water like the fucking Terminator. It's all <laughs> fucking ridiculous, but it's so goddamn like this was like when other shows were like, oh god, I can't watch a whole lot more of this. This show is great because of all the stupid shit that happens like in the middle. And the OP, I watched it every time because it just gets stuck in your head. I and I'm thinking about the ED as we speak right now. Like I can't get that shit out of my brain. It's so good, the whole damn thing. Do I want more? Maybe not. Like maybe if it's if they keep that pace. But like that, tw- those twelve episodes were perfect for what I needed. Like it's, <laughs> you know how like in some anime like. <laughs> Like a bad omen is like they'll look at their tea and be like, oh, like a tea stock, that's a good omen. Or like they'll look at something else and be like, oh, that's a bad omen. Uh-huh. Machio gets the scent that there's going to be a bad omen because his protein powder clumps up. Oh my god. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, I don't want to spoil <laughs> too much of this show. I really you really have to experience it. It's it's so fucking batshit, but it's so funny. Um and yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot more I could say. Uh, any negatives? Eh. I personally, I don't think the the gags graded on me too much. There are some characters who do have repeat gags, so if you know if that annoys you, that might not really work for you. I don't know, like, because you know, avid listeners to the podcast might know that there have been a couple times where i'm like all right i got really sick of this gag i never really got sick of theirs and they don't i don't feel like they repeat them enough to get to that point where it starts grating on my nerves uh but then as i've stated before i have a bit of a tolerance for this so if you're interested in you know a comedy 
or a parody of American stuff in anime, which is kind of rare, which I really, really appreciated. Or if you're interested in working out, because this is actually some pretty good information, um, whether it's with workout equipment or uh, just working out at home, because they they actually do cover how you can do some of the workouts uh, with like home equipment and stuff like that, which I appreciated. Uh, I, I would absolutely recommend How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift. It's a, just an absolute ton of fun. Um, that being said, I, th- uh, I, it's hard to rate the show. Uh-huh. I want to give it a 4.5 so bad. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't think of a reason why I wouldn't. It's not the only reason I, I, I definitely can't give it a five because it's not the best comedy I've ever seen. It doesn't compare, but I had an absolute blast with this show. And I think a lot of other people would too. I, I'd say give it a shot. I'd say give it two to three episodes. If it's not doing for you, then it's probably not going to. But uh, and hell, give it nine episodes. Get to Barnold, man. Come on. <laughs> he's he's an Austrian-American superstar. <laughs> Sorry. Went off on a tangent. Yeah. The, that's just... Logan posted the pictures of these guys that you were talking about in the chat. Thank you, Logan. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is that is pretty fun. Um it sounds like a fun comedy. So I mean you can't can't go wrong with a good episodic comedy, especially. Oh, you you definitely can, but this one this <laughs> one definitely did it right, in my opinion. Well, a good one. Yeah, I mean <laughs> cool, man. All right. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Carlos, are you ready? I am very much ready, sir. Have we all watched the show? We have. have. Holy crap. <laughs> this is wonderful. Um wow, th- this might be this might be legendary, guys. <laughs> Have we ever all watched a two core together? Um I don't know. I'll have to go back. I mean, Someone with a better memory and who's been drinking less, yeah. please tell me. <laughs> I don't know. Regardless, this is something we don't get very often and and I think this is a worthy show of receiving the the coveted three host review um on our podcast uh the the three host anime arcade review um demon slayer is is a show that i drafted a couple seasons ago uh because i was looking for something dark and it hasn't disappointed uh to be dark but it also has been so much more than just dark i mean this is not a show that you watch because you're looking for something dark it really is uh, a very unique and um complex i guess shonen uh and and so we have 26 episodes so far and um we're going to talk about that. I've kind of broken the show down into like kind of five major arcs and I guess as we talk about them I'll I'll kind of briefly discuss the story and then we can have a, a some time to talk about what we thought of that. Uh does okay. that sound good with you guys? Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. So, starting along, uh, we have our main character Tanjiro, who is, you know, your your cover character. He's got that uh he's the guy you'll see in the picture with the checkered green and black uh what is that called a kimono or whatever the or whatever that jacket that traditional Hayori? japanese um yeah, what's it called uh, isn't it like a Hayori or something like yeah, that yeah they, they mention it in the show uh but i, I can't yeah. remember what they called it yeah there, there's a lot 
there, there's a lot of really interesting kind of like traditional Japanese iconography in this. And Carlos, you'll probably know more about the time frame that the show took place in because I know oh, you've kind of talked to me a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it takes place in the Taisho era, which I, when I, coming into the show, I was expecting more ancient Japan. Um, Taisho Japan is modern Japan. Like, mm. and, and we see that in the show, but Taisho, I mean, modern, quote unquote, Taisho Japan takes place in like the early 1900s like i think taisho is what 19 fuck, don't quote me 19 i'm not even gonna look it up 1916 to 1920 something maybe 1930 okay. 1912 to 1926 okay so but like but like that early turn of the century you know um so japan is modernizing very much industrializing and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff which like that kind of blew me away because I was like, oh, okay, we're in modern times. We're not, I mean, more modern times than, yeah. you know, uh, like tall tale eras of ancient times where we can get away with saying, yeah, there were totally dragons, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's an interesting time frame. And I love the fact that they chose that as the setting because while a lot of the show feels like, because I think a lot of the show takes place out in, in the outskirts. You're not in really for, with the exception of once or twice where they actually do go into more densely populated areas. It feels like you're in parts of Japan that are still clutching on to kind of feudal tradition. Um, and, you know, it, it still feels, and that's probably why you thought it was kind of a feudal Japanese well, story, because it still like feels it, that is, way a lot. Is how mm -hmm. how they were able to fool me like that, but they stayed really true. Because like like you said, at this era, Japan, excuse me, is modernizing, but they are far from done modernizing, and they yep. they wouldn't be done until after World War Two. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think they did a really really good job, kind of pulling the wool over my eyes as you know a person who enjoys history. And then staying Definitely. true to that era very, very well. Yeah. And, and so Tanjiro, uh, he, you kind of see him and you meet him early on and he's, he's kind of with his family and um, he's walking into town and I don't remember exactly what he was going into town for, but he, he's he going, going into town. to sell coal. Yeah. Sell coal. Or wood. Um, to sell coal for or, his family, uh, charcoal, I guess, right? Right? Charcoal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, be, yeah like yeah, yeah. so that they could have like a really good um, New Year's. Sure. And, and it quickly becomes apparent that he, you know, it's a smaller town. Everyone kind of know, uh, recognizes him and it's a, you know, it has that kind of small town atmosphere. Um, and he has a good reputation. Everyone kind of likes Tanjiro. He's a good guy. He helped. He's very helpful. He helps, you know, some of the villagers as he's walking through town and, and trying to sell his coal. And um, as he's in town, um, you know, he does his thing and he's on his way back and he I think at this point it's it's getting dark, right? And um, he runs into because he spent the time helping people. Forgive me because I watched this back when it first aired. Um, he spends his time helping people, and it's getting kind of dark. And this um, old man in the woods kind of says, "Maybe you should stay with me tonight. Uh, you shouldn't travel at night alone." Mm. Um, and so at this point, he he's like, okay, uh, I, I don't know that he necessarily is happy about it, but he's like, all right, I'll spend the night here and I'll, I'll head home in the morning. Um, at this point, you kind of feel like something's up, right? I mean, it's like, mm, you I, know, we know what kind of show Demon yeah, Slayer is. Yeah, I'm but, not going to lie, man. Like this early part, I'm like, come on, man, writing on the wall. Like, yeah. like <laughs> the first the first thing we see is him with his family and they're all like, oh, we're all happy. We're going to be happy forever. And I'm like, come on, man. 
Death flag, death yeah. flag, death flag, death flag. Oh, God, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, you kind of knew it was coming. I didn't know necessarily that it was going to be as brutal as it was, though. Um, Tanjiro finally gets home in the morning after leaving the man's house, and he finds his entire family brutally slaughtered. Uh, they are torn torn up, blood everywhere. His house is in shambles. Um, and they're dead. They're all dead. Uh, with the exception of his sister, uh, his old one of the older of his sisters, uh, Nezuko, who he realizes is still alive. However, Nezuko is not alive in the sense that she was alive before. <laughs> um, Nezuko has become a demon. She's basically, she, she's ravenous. She's like, you know, frothing at the mouth and she's kind of attacking uh, Tanjiro. But Tanjiro is like, you know, it's a sister, kind of your traditional, and most of the time in zombie movies, it's hard to uh, look at your family member who has turned into a ravenous monster as anything but your family member. And so he doesn't obviously want to kill her, nor is that the way Tanjiro is at this point. Would he want to kill anybody? And um, he's able to subdue Nezuko. Mm -hmm. uh, and and at this point, he he kind of realizes that, you know, he, he, he subdues her and, and she kind of is pacified in a way and isn't really attacking him anymore. And he's at a loss. He's like, okay, uh, well, I need to figure out what the hell to do with myself now because my sister is uh, has turned into a monster and my family's dead. So he... I don't know what happens at that point, guys. <laughs> well, then he gets, uh, they get, he gets attacked by uh, Giyu, right? Who's trying to kill Nezuko? Yeah, yeah. At, the, at this point, like, that's what happens. Um, and they, they have a fight and... Um, through use of of kind of crazy tactics he impresses him um so he knocks him out and recommends recommends him to his um his demon slaying uh master mm -hmm. um and he also recognizes that uh Nezuko despite being a demon um is protecting yeah. the human mm -hmm. which is very abnormal yeah yeah, Nezuko clearly starts to show traits that, you know, immediately that she's unlike, and we haven't met any demons at this point. So we, I guess as the viewer, we don't really understand that Nezuko is an anomaly, um, but she clearly, you know, is different, uh, the, you know, not what meets the eye, so to speak. Um, so there's another kind of writing on the wall type thing and in, in that the... <laughs> The guy that uh, Tanjiro ends up with is the same guy that gave him a place to sleep the night before. Um, he ends up being kind of a mentor for demon what? slayers. No, that's yeah, not the same. Not, not the same guy. Went. Yeah, the man that gave him the place to sleep was the same guy. No, no, the, no. no Sakonji. That's not the same guy, right? I'm, am I crazy? No, it's not. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. So, so the guy that gave him a bed to sleep in was not the he well, never came back the, again. The guy, who, never came the guy back. who gave him a place to sleep very clearly knew about demons. Um and who knows, maybe he was like maybe we'll see him like later in the series. I think I just maybe I just made the assumption because obviously the guy who we see later it has a mask on, but I thought they looked yeah, similar no, enough so, that um, I just made the assumption so they were the same person. The guy who we see later is uh Sukunji uh Orokodaki uh he is he's white haired the guy who took uh yeah, in was yeah was black haired and oh yeah yeah 
I, I okay. can definitely see why <laughs> you would make that. Like, that would actually make sense, but no, not the same guy. Sure. Because he had to, like, go on a journey, pretty much, to get to where Orokodaki was uh, through the, the mountains and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And by the time they got yeah. to... They had to travel by night because, you know, Nezuko... Well, that's another thing we can say. Um, demons can't be killed except through being exposed to sunlight or by being decapitated by a special sure. blade wielded by the demon slayers. <laughs> uh, that's like right. Because that's that's where we get introduced to Rokodaki because um, as uh, Nezuko and Tanjiro are going up like the mountain to where he kind of to where Rokodaki lives, they encounter their first other demon. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we kind of get to see the first traces of Nezuko's ability as a demon, um, as well as some more of Tanjiro's tactics. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's unable to kill the demon because he doesn't have the tools, right? Yeah, or the willpower at that point. Yeah, and, and and you see kind of where Tanjiro is at, at, at a per, as a person. He starts out, you know, as a very naive but very kind-hearted person and obviously, you know, killing any being. But, you know, I think that that core, and I think it's something we need to keep in mind as we go through this review and as we follow this show beyond, is that is a huge part of who Tanjiro is. That That character that he is in the beginning, he never loses that character regardless of the things he's going to see throughout this series, which I think is a is going to be a huge part of how he impacts the world that he's now in. Um, but uh, so, and you guys are going to be better with the names because there is a lot of characters in the show. And I did not remember that that guy's name was a Rokodaki, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he kind of takes him in. He's, he's going to now mentor him and um, he gives him, and I'm skipping a little bit, but he gives him essentially a task of cutting uh, a boulder in half with his sword um, as kind of a, if you can do this, then you're worthy to be, you know, trained. Um, you're, you're, you're worthy to be a demon slayer. And, um, and so this is kind of the, you know, I guess I call this the rite of passage arc, um, where he's kind of like, does he have what it takes to move on and become a demon slayer? Uh, this is his first major test. And at this point he meets, uh, two characters, uh, Sabito and Makomo, Makomo. um, and so they are kind of there as part of the test with the boulder. It's like, you know, at this point he sees this giant stone and he needs to chop it with a sword. I mean, seems like a ridiculous, impossible task. And so he's introduced while he's trying to do this to Sabito and Makomo and, and they kind of... We should probably also mm-hmm. mention that, like, like you, you, you did skip over and you said you skipped over like training, mm-hmm. but up to this point, it's been like a year and a half until he yeah, meets them right. like like it's a long time in training that like uh and w- while this is going on yeah. nezuko is asleep um like she's yes. kind of fallen into a very deep sleep uh and she's been asleep for like over a year um which is also we find out very uncommon for demons mm-hmm. um because the way that demons kind of are able to maintain their power um, is by eating humans, drinking their blood, that kind of thing. Um, but Nezuko refuses to do that. And so, yeah, she's been asleep for the past year and a half. Um, <laughs> it seems, yeah. To conserve I mean, energy. She, 
she's not she's not getting the energy from the traditional source. This kind of gives a lot of vibes of like your some of your more modern day kind of vampire like good guy vampire things and stuff where like <laughs> they refuse to uh they refuse to drink blood, they refuse to eat humans. And that's kind of where Nezuko's coming from. Um however, she seems to be unique in that regard. Um sure. Everyone who knows about demons that sees this about her pretty much doesn't believe that that's <laughs> that she's that yeah. way <laughs> um i think also worth mentioning at this point um is that Rokodaki is teaching tanjiro a specific kind of swordsmanship um oh what is it? Is it water? water breathing? That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. Water breathing. Yeah, there's like this technique that demon slayers use called, well, yeah, something breathing, whatever kind of form of breathing that they're taught. Sure. Yeah, he's being taught water breathing and all the different uh, sword techniques that come with that. Yeah, and and man, does that translate into some absolutely beautiful visuals later? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but we'll get, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's under the tutelage of Urokodaki and um. Uh, he he's going through kind of your basic training. So Tanjiro, he's not a warrior. He's not a fighter. Um, so he obviously had a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. um, and he gets to this like final kind of major task. It's like, are you, are, it's like, I guess the, the exam to move past, you know, to move on to the next stage yeah. um, to cut this boulder. And, and so Sabido and uh, Makomo show up as he's trying to do this, and he's pretty much at a loss. He's like, basically, I can't do it. I can't move forward. Um, and they're kind of testing him. They're kind of prodding at him. They're like, yeah, you know, you're right. You can't do it. And then they, and they clearly, especially, I, I think, is it Sabido's the boy? Mm-hmm. Uh, of the two? Yeah. Um, he he kind of beats him up a bit, and they they're, they become kind of mentors to him at that point as well, at least Sabido as far as the fighting goes. And uh, he gets better and better and better uh and he starts to learn through them and and i don't remember exactly the specifics of the things that happen but eventually you know tanjiro gets better and he's able to you know start to compare and best uh sabido in some of these sparring matches um is there anything you guys want to add at that point no i'm um yeah to the point where he he seems to you know Tanjiro, I guess, inevitably is able to at that point, uh, eventually through his training with Sabido and Makamo, uh, slice the boulder in half, which is much to the surprise uh, of them, I believe. Uh, at this point, <laughs> we learn that Sabido and Makamo actually were not there at all. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. They were spirits. Uh, they didn't make it uh like a lot of characters you'll see in this show do not make it right um, um, i mean they didn't make it specifically in uh because each we find out that each there there are many demon slayer um teachers um mm-hmm. and they put they they'll train a student for x amount of years and they send them to the to a test called the was it like the final final, final selection final selection thank yep. you um um and we don't find this out until a little bit later, but uh, none of um, of uh, Urokodaki's uh, students have survived this for a very, very long time. Yeah, the last and, 13 students that he's trained. And so I think Urokodaki at this point, I think it's kind of clear. He, he gave 
Tanjiro a task that seemed impossible because he didn't want to send him to final selection uh, because of this fact, right? I mean, I think because yes. he's lost so many of his students, he was just like, I don't want to lose another student. Um, I think that's so what I liked he... about Sabito and Makamo, though, is because they're spirits, mm-hmm. but they're they're like, we're doing this because we love Urokudaki. And I'm like, oh. Like a lot of yeah. a lot of this this arc was like oh man don't do this to me. And it was a super touching scene. It really was. Like their characters, even though they were re- really only around for an episode, maybe um, their char- it was a touching moment when when they kind of when he succeeded in in slicing the boulder in half, breaking the boulder, um, and made it to final selection. And I think that they realized, um, man, this kid might be the one that finally breaks the cycle. Uh, and so he makes it to final selection and he gets in and there's a collection at this point. I think he has to go up to like the top of a mountain or whatever to start. And um, he gets in and there's these kind of two creepy looking girls there that, you know, inaugurate everyone into the final selection. And uh, that's that. Basically, the final selection is survive a night in the woods here in this area. And this demon infested area. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's this, it's a mountain surrounded by wisteria trees, which we find out is like kryptonite to demons. They like literally can't stand. Yeah, it. so it's essentially it's just like a demon another prison. Another thing that will kill them. Yeah, and they have put a bunch of demons in this mountain <laughs> for this final selection. Yeah, and we find out why Urokodaki students, Urokodaki students specifically, haven't been surviving um, because a demon yeah. he personally entrapped there. Uh, was feeding on other demons, made himself ridiculously, well, feeding on other demons and then students made himself ridiculously powerful and was targeting his students specifically. Yeah, and so this is kind of your first... um your first boss, right? Of the, of, you know, if we're thinking of this as a shonen, this is like your first big, you know, enemy mm. that Tanjiro faces, right? But before he meets him, he's kind of going through and he's surviving. And there's just, you think of it as like a battle royale kind of like just, you know, survive as you can. But yeah, so Tanjiro runs into this abomination of a creature. I mean, just the other demons look kind of humanoid. They're, they're, you know, they're kind of scary they got fangs they look evil but um they're relatively humanoid looking this is just like a giant like imagine like the last boss of a resident evil game or something that's been like horribly mutated beyond you know recognition um like a big kind of creature right um this monster i don't remember his name but he's a big creature monster thing um (laughs) we we get to see him murder a couple of the demon slayers that are in the uh final selection and tanjiro i i think it's to save somebody because you know that seems to be tanjiro's thing he wants to save people because he's a hero um decides he's going to take this thing on it's like he just has to survive the night but he wants to take this creature on um and this is your first major battle in the series uh tanjiro versus this this thing and uh uh, this is where we really start to see Tanjiro. All this training he's done is is kind of he's he's gotten pretty good already. And this was one of the things that really shocked me about this show in particular is that we're only a, a, you know a, a third of the way in through the first core of this show. I think we're about four, maybe five episodes in, and yeah, Tanjiro's already looking pretty strong. Like he he fights this thing. It's a it's a bit of a battle. I honestly didn't think he was going to dispatch it as easily as he did, though. Like I thought he made pretty quick work of it. it, it all things it took considered, a little, it took a little work. 
Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, the name that's given for this this creature is on my anime list is Hand Demon, which is yeah fairly fitting considering he's evolved multiple arms to kind of protect mm-hmm. his neck. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, but. Man, this is really like these battles and this one in particular. And you mentioned the water breathing and everything. And this is where really um, Fotable is stretching, you know, or stretching is flexing their their muscles as far as their animation because some of these battles were just unbelievable. The things that they did, and it only gets better from here, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But they animated their hearts out in in these battle scenes, and this was no exception. Um, but yeah, he he manages to defeat this creature with relative ease. And when I say that, I mean, I'm thinking Shonin's, we have like these three, four, five episode battles. This was like an episode maybe. Um, <laughs> and he, 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 he does it and he survives the final selection for the first time. We find uh, that this actually, this monster was the one that killed Sabido and Makamo. He's killed pretty much all of the, um, Orokodaki's students because he kind of thrives on that because he wants revenge on Orokodaki. And this, of course, Tanjiro uh, was (laughs) going to be his next victim, but uh, he, he broke the cycle. Um, (laughs) And one thing that's established here that, that will continue um, with the exception with like one or two possible exceptions um, is after he kills the demon. uh, It seems like, um what do you call it tanjiro every time he kills a demon he can kind of see their past um i'm not sure if he's supposed to be seeing it or whatever but usually it's like smelling it yeah yeah Yeah. i think we forgot to mention that he has like an insanely heightened sense right he can he can actually smell emotions but in that yeah the, the whole smelling thing like started out was like clearly like his primary trait um i feel like it was downplayed throughout the rest of the show more and more but yeah he always kind of smells his way through things like he's always he, his sense of smell tells him a lot more than it would a normal but, person but like that that's something that plays out quite a bit um that at first i thought it was going to get kind of annoying but i did i i appreciate it because it, it plays into tanjiro's character that he is mm-hmm. i mean he's unique as a demon slayer that yes demons did absolutely kill his family but because his sister's a demon, he can see them as, you know, they're, they used to be yeah. human. There's a reason mm-hmm. that they were, that they're demons. Not, not every demon is, you know, uh, just in it just to be a dick. Like there's, there's yeah. usually a reason they were pushed into this life or had to choose that life. Um, that's an overarching theme that I think I really want to touch on at the end of this whole discussion and after we get through the whole thing, because I think the that's basically Tanjiro's role in this entire universe is to um, help under, help help people understand demons a little more because he continues to bring out kind of the humanity in demons uh, that he interacts with. And I think it's it's interesting. Usually um, after that, he kills them, though. <laughs> Like any any oh, anybody yes. can have death. I mean that that's another thing. Sure. Like I I enjoyed that. I like I I appreciate you know um, humanizing your villains, um, mm-hmm. and I I especially enjoy villains who are sympathetic. But not every villain needs to be sympathetic, and uh, sure. it's really easy to have a deathbed 
conversion, if you know what I mean. Sure. Like, yeah. it's easy to say Hitler had a death blood conversion. I hope he's rotting in hell. Um, so there are some villains I'd like to stay, you know, villains. It's not always a good thing. Sure. So what I'm, I think there will be. I, I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the that when we get to that, you know, seems like an overarching uh-huh. villain. I I I hope he's not made no. sympathetic. See, there were some that were were they tried to have your quote deathbed confession, and we'll get to them more later. But they, um, it just didn't really land very well. Like you're still a complete douchebag. You, you man. Know, you're still an evil piece of shit. You know who they did um, though? Like so, so the next one. And we can get to it, but the the next set of villains, I don't I don't recall them them getting like a sympathetic backstory. Yeah, and and so, I you know we kind of get to that next set of villains, and I'm assuming you're talking about the uh, the two that he mm-hmm. fights that he thinks are yeah, yeah. three, um, the twelve. Is it three? Whatever. It's just two of them, right? Uh, yeah, it's just two. Oh, yeah? You're talking about the hand and the and or the the guy with is, the eyes on his hand. And no, the, no, no, is no, that no, next? no, no. I'm I'm talking about the the guys who were abducting like girls in the village. Yeah, there's three of them. There's three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be a forgetting. I one. think it's the same person. Well, yeah, I think it's, it's the same person like up three times. times. Three times. I don't I don't remember him. Fighting yeah, because the there was like the one who did the mouth thing. Uh, to be honest, what? like I it doesn't matter. I like but, the, the like the next set of villains. Like I liked. The dynamic of like the kidnapping girls, I thought the villains were the weakest though. Sure. Yeah, sure. they were. And I actually had forgotten about them, to be honest. I had skipped those and was going right to the uh the girl with the balls and the guy with the arrows. No, the, they uh, were much yeah, more. Yeah, skipped over some big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Tanjiro gets a sword and Nesuko wakes up in that period. Yeah. I was just thinking of them as the next villains. I I knew there was a lot more that happened, mm-hmm. but um yeah, so he passes his final exam. He's now officially a demon slayer. He he's been selected. Um, Him and, and he, three yeah. other people, only three out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, four. Well, four including him. Four, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said three other people, but yeah, yeah. Four including him. Oh, including including Logan's best girl. Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll get to her later. Um, so yeah, he gets and, and at this point he gets to have his sword. This was actually really exciting. I don't know. There's something kind of ingrained in me as someone who plays like RPGs and stuff. <laughs> it's like getting your signature weapon. I was really excited about that. And I was kind of disappointed with what it ended up being. Like it was just like, okay. And I kind of I think it's cool, but there wasn't much of a payoff there as the when his he got his sword forged. Now the guy was kind of goofy and oh funny. My God. With um, his mask. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I liked him. I thought he was a little bit on the annoying side, uh-huh. but um, he was. It was just kind of goofy because um, Urokodaki has like that uh, that red kind of um, oni mask, I guess you call it. Uh, yeah, I um, think that is a tango mask. Um, the guy who makes the sword has another version, but it's got this really goofy face that's got like the mouth pulled to the side, and he's making like a kissy lip face almost. Yeah, nose. Um, yeah. It's, it's super long nose yeah it's just goofy looking dude and he's got a really goofy personality and he's obsessed with sword craft and everything which is you know whatever you you would expect as the um one of the official blacksmiths or whatever of um the for the demon slayers but yeah uh tanjiro gets a, a black blade which um was unexpected and and uh we find is is kind of a bad omen uh because I think they say that no one who's had a black blade has survived for long or something, right? Yeah, something like that. Uh, 
they don't he, i think he said specifically they don't know because the blade's color kind of determines some of the special kind of abilities that it has and uh, they say they don't really know much about black blades because the people who have them typically just die uh, and so i guess we haven't you know at this point we're, we just don't know we don't know what what really is going to become of his blade but um and he's also given his uh, his like crow, I guess, right? This is the crow that's going to kind of tell him what to do and where <laughs> yeah. to go, uh, what his assignments are going to be, which is another kind of... Um, I'll find that there's some of the characters and some of the things in this show grate on your nerves a bit. And this crow is meant to, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an alarm clock. If you can imagine like a really obnoxious radio alarm clock with that like... <laughs> Uh-huh. Sound. Think of a crow that just does that. Uh, but this this crow um, tells him that he's got his first mission. He needs to go and uh, investigate uh, some missing girls that are going missing in a town nearby, I guess. So he has to travel there. Um, and at that point, he starts to investigate. I don't necessarily remember the details of how he comes across this. I think there's like a guy whose girlfriend goes missing. Yeah. And well, his he, like his fiance goes fiance. missing. Yeah. Sure. And I, the town seems to be blaming him for the fact that she's missing. She is and, dead. Yeah. Totally. And Tanjiro latches on to that. And because he, again, seeing the good in people doesn't believe that this guy's the the one who's guilty and pretty quickly and and this is another thing you know pretty quickly he there's not a lot of lead in to each set of villains like we're about an episode in from when he got his assignment he's already engaging these these demons that are abducting girls from this town Um, (laughs) demons with high taste apparently they're going for attractive young women. Yes. <laughs> Do you guys want to explain these demons for me? Because I don't exactly ex- remember all the details. They like, yeah, like I said, my least favorite of the demons. Um, they're they like are able it's... to like sink into like this almost parallel dimension. Uh, that's like a bog. It's like uh-huh. underwater. Um, where they can enter and leave at at will and there there are three of them i only remember two but yeah there are three of them no i do remember the third one now that i think about it um i don't think it really they're, matters they're, all, they're, they're kind of they're, throwaway well, villains they're, they're all like they're all the same person because they refer to themselves as their other self and well one of them just yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. say anything he just kind of like grates his teeth grates his teeth yeah, yeah. pretty grating <laughs> um yeah it's yeah, like like you said, Jeff, the weakest villains. Uh, I mean, they're the yeah. first ones. I really think they could have done better, though, because the story was interesting and really sad. I mean, this guy lost his fiance, like, yeah. and was blamed for it and kind of went a little mental, which, you know, understandable. Um, right. And then it's just kind of nothing villains. Um, this is probably the only time I'll ever complain about the villains. But, yeah, I really I didn't care for them. Um I was glad to be done with this because as soon as we're done with this, he immediately makes like the main villain of the entire series. <laughs> yeah. Which very, I thought was fascinating. Very, yeah. Very quick. Very, very quick. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He, so like, he gets sent to like a proper city and I like, yeah, he, he's getting ramen or something with 
his sister, and then all of a sudden he catches the scent he, of he smells, yeah, of Muzan Kibutsuji, who is yep. the progenitor of all demons. Yeah, um, this is the master demon, the big daddy. He's the only <laughs> one who can make demons. Yeah, um, and so yeah, Tanjiro goes running off um, and finds uh, Muzan in the like midst of this crowd with his supposed wife and child human mm-hmm. wife and child um and before dressed in kind of like modern western clothing yeah we see yeah, here like in this kind of city, city scene like yeah like we're starting to see kind of that modernization uh-huh. i think this might even be the only time we really see this in the series where he's in that city and we start to see kind of that modern ish version of japan sure uh very different setting than what we've seen so far in this show I, and um, kibutsuji yeah i, I he, think one of the things i like about that is that the demon slayers being you know um kind of like these backwater people who you know take care of like this all this stuff that other people think is like superstition are 100 percent out of their element in cities like this so mm-hmm. but yeah yeah like very very quickly we meet the the main villain of the entire this time it's like the way i was thinking about it while i was watching it uh logan you might be able to um relate to this is like this feels like a very sped up inuyasha like imagine Mm. if we'd met naraku this quickly in inuyasha Uh um so like on one hand i appreciate that it's not as like because i you know i i love rumuka takahashi but you know inuyasha feels very very drawn out at times um <laughs> whereas this is like like we just did a line of coke and we're absolutely gonna run through a new yasha right now we're no no breaks no breaks <laughs> just go 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 yeah. go go uh like <laughs> yeah. that's what this story felt like at times because i appreciated it at times but other times i'm like all right i got whiplash you need to i i I like to think of this as like in the RPG where you see the final boss in like the first chapter and <laughs> and he just kicks your ass and you're like, okay, this is the guy I'm fighting. This is the yeah. guy I'm training to fight. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of get like that glimpse of his power because as soon as uh, he's found by uh, Tanjiro, he <laughs> swipes at this guy that's walking by like in the blink mm-hmm. of an eye and turns him into a demon to distract, you know, the crowd of people around and to kind of pull Tanjiro off of him as Tanjiro has to save this woman and these people that this newly made demon might attack. So yeah, it's interesting. uh, Yeah. And so in, in, so we now are finding the, like you said, the progenitor of demons, this is the guy that's making these demons. And and we find out, I, I don't know if we find it out right now. I think we find it out when he meets the next couple main characters that appear. Um, it's, he has the ability as well, based on the amount of attention, the amount of his own blood that he gives to these characters, how powerful of a demon that they are. Um, and yeah, so even with just the swipe of a finger, though, he can create, uh, you know, a, you know, a lesser demon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Tanjiro loses the scent of him, but uh, it seems Kibutsuji has took taken notice, and oh, he, yeah. he Tanjiro vows that he will find him and he will kill him. Uh, I, and we I, do find out. I like, appreciate that on. part for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like as he's walking away as Tanjiro's dealing with this newly created demon. He's just like screaming his head off. I'm like, that is, in the middle that of this is, crowd. that is action movie fucking gold. That is, that uh-huh. is, 
it's very tropey, but I love it. So, yeah. And it's interesting that we find out, you know, later on that the fact that Tanjiro even met Muzan is incredibly rare. Yep. Yeah. Um, he so just saw the Buddha. He did. He saw the Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but because of this, we get introduced to an important character uh, mm. in the show, um, a demon by the name um, of Tamayo. Tamayo, yes, and her helper Yushiro. Um, Tamayo is a demon, but unlike every other demon he's met up to this point, uh, she is similar to Nezuko in some ways, um, in that she doesn't feast on humans um, as like much as possible. Like she yeah. tries to hold I, I, her demonness in check. I think what they do because she is a doctor and she treats people yes she take like she takes blood um as donations for you know her hospital and then she'll just drink some of it Mm -hmm. yeah um and we find out that yushiro is actually someone that she made into a demon which isn't possible for anyone else other than her and muzan apparently Uh, i don't know if they really go into how she's able to pull that off um but she is a doctor so who knows there seems to be some mystery around her and and still i i I, she will play a role at some point i'm sure we don't see her again after this kind of mini arc that we're going through right now but yeah um she's mentioned though first like all the while, uh, Kibutsuji is sicking some of his dogs on Tanjiro during this kind of time that he's meeting the doctor and her helper. Kibutsuji's like, well, you guys are going to go kill him because he's a problem. <laughs> yeah, we and, get a very cool battle out of this one. <laughs> yeah, and, and so we meet at this point the the t- tamari demon and the arrow demon uh <laughs> and they seem to have some pretty good synergy together now I'd, i've never heard of tamaris but they're kind of like uh balls that ring and have like bells in them i guess and this must be uh, something japanese that i've never heard of before um so we've got a girl who has these tamari balls and has multiple arms and she can throw them and arrow demon is a guy who has it's really weird, actually. He's got eyeballs on his on his palms, and he Tanjiro can see the arrows. Most of the, for most no, like other people, no, they can't. No, Tanjiro can't. can't see them. It's uh, what's his name? You Yushiro. Yushiro like puts a seal on his head, um, so that he he can now see them and avoid them. Okay, okay. Yushiro puts the seal, and that's how he's able to see them. I think he's like, yeah, because at first he's getting kind of beat up by the arrows. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then eventually these things control anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's able to control this guy these arrows and it kind of moves matter in whatever direction he wants it to so he's just it's almost like if you can imagine telekinesis in a way where he's just like tossing you know tanjiro or whatever he wants in fact he tosses this and the reason i say that him and this girl had this really good synergy is that he was using her balls like she'd throw them around and, and he would be move them and 
let them bend and move in the direction that his little arrows that he was shooting out of his hands were. So it's like the arrows were kind of a visual that we ended up seeing as the viewer. Um, but before that, you kind of just saw that these balls were flying around and things were flying around um, at this guy's whim, basically, with his little eyeball hands. And Yushiro completely loses his fucking dome. <laughs> at least once, maybe multiple times. Uh, no, just, just once, but the second just time, once. both him and Tamayo like lose a part of their head. Mm-hmm. Like mm, That's right. They, she shaves off like... A little divot in Bits. both of their heads. Yeah. Oh, by the way, demons can regenerate if yeah. they're not if they're not killed the proper way that proper ways that we mentioned before. Yeah, it's like demons. Like if it's if it's not sunlight and it's not the head being chopped off by a demon slayer sword, like you pretty much didn't kill so, them, and they're not going to. So die. that that was a thing. Like like there were a couple times in the show that I would think, okay, how the fuck does that work? But like I said, this show moves so quick. That it doesn't really give you time to think about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For example, Yushiro loses his damn dome. Like, I mean, whole head pff, gone. And he starts, you yeah. start seeing like the veins and everything start to grow back. He grows back the bottom part of his jaw and he's able to talk. You need the rest of your fucking mouth to talk. No, 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 Carlos. No, no, no. <laughs> well, That's not how that works. Logan, what was what was my speech language pathology class for? <laughs> <laughs> Damn nothing. It. <laughs> it was a waste of money. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> so, yeah, these balls that this girl's tossing around are fucking crazy. Like these things just smash through walls. They bl- blast body bodies apart, um, and in part because they're being thrown at such velocity with these arrows. But yeah, battle ensues. Nezuko tries to kick one and ends up losing oh, and her loses leg. The damn leg. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. So she loses a leg when um when they're using the arrows when yes tanjiro starts being able to see the arrows and he cuts them and and then eventually he starts interrupting um what was his name the guy with the eyes in his hands um, uh arrow mm-hmm. demon yeah like she, she demon, can still sure. throw the balls pretty hard but at that point nezuko uh gets you know regrows her leg or whatever mm-hmm. reattaches it um uh, because she regenerates much slower than a regular demon um, yeah, and I don't know that we mentioned this, that he's carrying Nezuko on his back with a box. I don't think I mentioned that before, but this is something that was fashioned for him by um, Rokodaki earlier, where he's able to keep her and carry her with him in this box on his back mm-hmm. to keep her out of the sunlight so she can sleep during the day. She can shrink as a demon. She can change her form. Right, and she can shrink, exactly. So she can change her size. And so he's carrying Nezuko around with him. She's not still sleeping. So I don't know that we really address the fact that she was actually along with him at this point. This is the first time though, that we see her kind of, you know, come out and really start to get involved in a fight. Uh, Cause these guys are, are it, it's looking kind of dire at this point for Tanjiro. And um, right. But after, after, you know, the arrows get cut, like the, the, the fight shifts to Tanjiro versus the mm-hmm. eye demon. Uh, because mm-hmm. Nezuko and the uh, what's the balls called? I forget what the fuck they're called. Tamari balls. Tamari, the Tamari demon, uh, are like in an epic competition where she would throw a ball and then Nezuko would kick it back to her because mm-hmm. like she still has like <laughs> epic strength, but you know without the the extra force of the I don't know eye arrows or whatever the hell they were, uh, they they, <laughs> they won't tear her her limbs off. Um, 
I thought that the enemy designs were pretty interesting in this so all far. The, in this all show. the designs in this oh, show. Oh yeah, I know for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just all of the, even even the enemies. I mean, we talked. We we kind of shit on the the last group of enemies, but yeah, they had that yeah. kind of like pull them down into the underground bog through the. Oh, ground I mean that crap. is that I mean, is definitely a terrifying neat. type of enemy. I don't think their yeah. design was bad. I just think they were boring. I mean, because because there were boring, so yeah. many interesting. Like, yeah. like we have these two. We have the villain that we'll get into next. Like, who's in the next arc? We have the family of villains that's in the arc after that. I mean, just yeah. a slew of terribly interesting. And then, like these guys, like those guys back there. It's like interesting premise, missing girls, like the whole yeah. bog aspect. Really boring dudes who have no personality. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so so um, we we get so... we get into there. We get into to Tanjiro versus the Eye Guy, and and that's a really kind of long and drawn out fight um yeah and, and the you know as you can imagine uh through kind of he's being tossed around tanjiro's being tossed around in the air a lot by these arrows but he's able to use his his water techniques to kind of gain momentum and and use that to to avoid even though he's airborne in some cases some of the arrows to which a point where he's able to finally best the arrow demon guy yeah but even after he bests him even after he cuts his head off um the demon can still control his powers until he's fully disintegrated uh mm -hmm. so we get this in like prolonged sequence where uh tanjiro is being tossed about by these arrows and he has to continually like redirect momentum using his uh, water breathing techniques excuse me mm -hmm. um and then eventually, which culminates in him still taking a whole bunch of damage and not really being able to walk, um, <laughs> which leads to one of the more interesting ways to finish a battle with, with the other battle. Do you remember how? how oh, yeah. Yeah, how well, the other battle yeah, ends? Because it's like, so they, uh, Nezuko and the Tamari demon finally finished their game of catch. Um, and the Tamari demon's <laughs> like, you thought that was my full power. But no, and then she grows four more arms um, as she, like, you know, unleashes her power. Uh, and that's when um, Tameo, the uh, the doctor demon, is like, okay, uh, enough's enough. And she uses her demon blood art where she, like, cuts open her arm and <laughs> the smell of her blood kind of, like, intoxicates all other demons mm -hmm. and makes them more loose tongued i guess yeah um, more susceptible to and, like suggestion yeah so she's so, she's uh she's kind of like your character in pathfinder yeah Jeff. she's, hey, she's female pio she's a much cuter pio. version of pio <laughs> yes um and yeah uh tamayo gets uh the tamari demon to i guess say muzan's name which is taboo yep um, at least in the presence of non um, Muzan demons uh, mm -hmm. and the blood of Muzan essentially destroys the Tamari demon from the inside out and a pretty yeah. gruesome imperial way. Yeah, <laughs> it is a really gruesome scene. And, and you saw the terror. I mean, that was a really impactful scene, too, because you just saw the terror on her face when she said his name. Like, she realized she was just about to die horribly. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty brutal death for one of that. Probably one of the worst, I thought, for one of the demons, honestly. Sure. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, again, this is another one where I felt bad for her. You know, she, she 
I don't know. It, you, a lot of them are living in fear in a way. Then they're they're evil and they want to kill people. But she, you saw you saw a little bit of a sympathetic side. I thought to her right her, before she died. Her last bit, like it was just uh, there wasn't a whole lot to her backstory from what I can remember. No. It was just she wanted to play. I, from what I could tell, yeah. she was like a little kid when she got turned. So that's why she kind of stayed in that state, you know, keeping the tamari balls, and that's how she killed people. Um, so I wasn't, I mean, I was sympathetic towards the character kind of, but like not as much as other characters. Sure. No, like yeah. she was, she was fine. Like, but the way, the way it went about, like the way, the way Tamayo killed her reminded me of Lancer's death and fate zero, like that kind of trickery to, to like, I, I really appreciate that kind of thing. I fucking love that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, it was pretty brutal, but, um, I can appreciate, you know, uh, a fight that ends in something other than, you know, just brute force. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah, always appreciate I think, that kind of thing. And you kind of need that mixed in, right? You know, it's it's like not every one of the fights could end in Tanjiro, you know, spinning right. his water blade around mm -hmm. and slashing them in half. So this is a nice break because at this point, honestly, because it's moving, been moving so fast, we saw Tanjiro dis already at this point dispatch like five guys in a row in pretty much the same way. <laughs> and so this was an interesting departure from that, I thought. And we don't really get much time before Crow shows up again and sends him to his next mission. Well, okay. Before we move on, there are a couple, I think, crucial things that we need to mention here. Like, story-defining things. The reason, or I shouldn't say the reason, Tanjiro makes a deal with Tamayo uh, because she's a doctor and she's experimenting with Demon's Blood. Uh, to have her find a way to turn Nezuko back into a human because that's his goal. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants. Right. Um, and she says that it is theoretically possible for him to do that as long as she is able to collect samples from extremely strong demons, namely those of the uh, 12 Kizuki, uh, like the 12 yeah. you know pillars of Muzan's empire. Um, where we kind of learn about like those the top twelve, I guess. <laughs> yes, and the these two demons, the the Tamari and the Arrow Demon, claimed they were part of the twelve. They were not. Uh, we find out that uh, those that are have a number, like tattooed onto their eye, essentially, uh, to signify their number in the in the twelve. Um, and so, uh, Tanjiro agrees that whenever he slays a demon. Uh, who's part of the 12, he will collect a blood sample and send it back to Tamiyo, wherever she is, because they are also moving and we don't know where they go. In hindsight, it's kind of laughable that he could think he could stand up to the 12, but we find <laughs> that out later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just wanted to make sure that that was stated because I think no, that's, that's a good point, probably yeah. the most important thing in this entire show. Yeah, I, I think we're we're finding that his idea that he wants to save Nezuko because that's kind of the that that is the primary focus for Tanjiro is going through. He wants to save Nezuko. He needs to he wants to turn her back specifically into a human. And I think you're right about that being really important too because it goes also into the idea of him finding humanity in demons. So while I'm wondering if this ends up being the case, 
will he turn her back into a human or will he just find the human characteristics that she has as a demon or be able to bring them out more? Um, I wonder, you know, we don't know. And, and at this point she gives kind of a, a, maybe a light there where it's like, maybe it's possible. Maybe, maybe she could actually be fully saved, but mm -hmm. we'll see, you know? Um, the second important thing is that this is also where we find out that Orokodaki, uh, during the two years that Nezuko was asleep, used uh, a form of persuasion on her to make every human um, appear as family to her in some form or fashion, so that she is less likely to give in to her demonic, you know... Um, will i guess and feed hmm. on people um because that is a struggle for her despite her uh desire to not give in to that um mm -hmm. so she views humans as her family and she wants to protect her family so yeah. also Which leads to some absolutely fucking adorable moments where she's like patting yes. people on the head because she thinks yeah, they're her like you younger brother. Uh -huh. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we get to move on now. And now, unfortunately, <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, we get introduced to the worst part of the show. Uh, you, okay, so I will say I agree with you. We get we get introduced to what I consider the worst part of the show. In probably, God, if I had to, if I had to guess, this might be maybe my favorite arc. Awesome. Yeah, arc. it's yeah. I really love. Yeah. Um, but yes, the worst part of the show does get introduced at this point, uh, and continues to, why is Zenitsu the first character listed on this show? Why? <laughs> dude, like, do people... Uh, because he's the loudest. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Yeah, he is honestly why I will not give this show a five. Yeah, same. Just, um, yep, me too. <laughs> um, okay, so, before, like, uh, we, we we're going over this this is a long time like it's yeah uh, but we we do like i want to give this this arc credit but i i have to say okay so we get introduced to zenitsu here we've all pretty much just stated our opinion on him um it, so zenitsu comes about in this arc uh about like a haunted mansion that we'll get into in a second um i, I don't want to talk to him about him a whole lot more after this he is he is uh, a demon slayer. He came up with um, uh, with Tanjiro in, during his. He was one of the f four that survived during right. final selection. Uh, and his whole thing is he is a complete coward. Like think, think, um, think like uh, God. What's his name? I just lost it. It's completely gone. Uh, From what? Scooby's master. Oh, Shaggy? Shaggy, thank you. God damn. I was thinking Scrappy, and I'm like, no, that's his... That's I his... love how you said Ugh. Scooby's master. Yeah, it's technically his master, isn't it? <laughs> so <the> owner? <laughs> sure. Scooby's sure. friend. To be fair, I have been watching... Scooby's I, I have been Shaggy's watching an master. anime about a girl who wanted to be a dog, who wanted a master. Sure, sure, so, sure. sure. Anyway. Fair. <laughs> my brain. So he's essentially Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, but turned up to 11. Like, okay... There are parts in the show, like in the, in this uh, uh, arc, and in a later arc that make me sympathetic towards him. It's really sympathetic to a person yeah. who is a coward 
in a world full of fucking demons that could like rip your head off and literally want to eat you. But I think he's a fascinating character that is just written horrifically. He would be bad. so much better. No, he's acted horrific. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, written, the voice acting, the voice but, acting. But it's like, it, it. if he was just a coward, but he wasn't so loud, so obnoxious, so like <sighs> over the top, and in some parts, fucking disgusting. Like, yeah. he wouldn't be so bad. Honestly, I could, I could see myself loving this character if he was written sure, absolutely any other way. But he's yeah. so fucking annoying that he almost ruins parts of this show for me. If it weren't for mm-hmm. Tanjiro, uh, Nezuko, and for me personally, I love Inosuke, uh, who we also uh, I, I fucking love him. Uh, I fucking love this character. Yeah, I'm with. Like, I think I'm with you, Logan. I'm, like, I'm. I don't hate him as much as any. On my hierarchy but... of characters, I would say he's like eighth or ninth like early on i I didn't like him as much as we get on and like like we learn his backstory he's so much more sympathetic i like him Uh, yeah i do like him more later on and he's like he's an asshole but i i don't know i love that character um i i actually have to give a disclaimer here because you mentioned that when we learned some of zenitsu's backstory funimation would not play one of these episodes for me so i missed an entire episode of the show and i didn't go ever go back and rewatch it the one where zenitsu has the issue with the spiders oh Oh, wow holy shit that was a good one such a good episode yeah I never saw that man. episode, and oh, I never went my God. back and watched it. But I had to skip it because I got an error every time, and I tried for a week Why to watch that watch episode, and I couldn't. Funimation isn't it on Crunchyroll, or maybe mm, it is on Crunchyroll. Yeah, it's just That's it's I easier. It. It, I yeah. watch anime on my TV, and Funimation's easier to watch on my TV. So huh. okay. Um, does Verve but, have an app? It does. Yeah. Oh wait, is Funimation not on Verve because Sony? No, Funimation's not. No, but Crunchyroll is. So. I just had to give a disclaimer there because I guess I never got the good part about Zenitsu. I yeah. Yeah, no, like okay, so uh, yeah. So at the end of the arc, uh at the, at the end of arc where we're at with the mansion, like he gets a bit of a of a backstory, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I was thinking, okay, they're gonna they're gonna gradually make this character more likable for me. And they fucking didn't. And then they had the spider episode, and I'm like, holy shit, Zenitsu's a little bit sympathetic. And then they go past the spiders episodes, and I'm like I fucking hate this character again. Yeah, like they, he's awful. It's just like, like stop yeah. with the roller coaster. Either make, either uh, kill let, this character or or make him less of an annoying. Yeah, yeah, and I'm hoping. I mean, I he has that really cool thing, and he'll show he'll show this in this arc in the mansion yeah. arc we're about to talk about. Because I they do want to talk about the mansion arc because it's too. really freaking cool. Um, the he has this like trance like state that he goes into where he's just like. Fucking like level ten badass for a second, and then he goes back to being a little bitch again. Um, yeah, it's not so, clear whether he's cognizant of that. Well, I think no, he's not. He's, he's not. not. He's not. He's at not. All. Yeah, he's not. Because because um, it, but it, it's in, like in, but during this yeah I don't know whatever in, in the later episodes in the hospital he has no idea uh-huh. what happened with the spiders. Sure. Sure. I'll have to go back and rewatch that episode because yeah it, they kept I knew what happened. But I never watched the episode, so I figured I, it's like I don't need to go back because I know how it ended. No. So, um, God, every time but, he uses his breathing, it's it might be one of my favorite animated things oh, in the show. Oh, it's so damn cool. Yeah. You mean Zenitsu? Yeah, Zenitsu's, yeah. yeah. It's just a shame he's such a 
<laughs> shithead. Yeah. But going, um, going but anyway, back to this, like probably mansion. my favorite. <laughs> super, super cool. So we've got this um mansion that the, the you were introduced to the mansion and a guy basically is thrown out of the window and he's just totally messed up um there's some kids out outside and they're saying that their brother is inside the mansion too and, and he hasn't come out and so tanjiro is like uh well let's go in and save him because that's what tanjiro does and uh he goes in and i can't remember if the kid wanted to go with him or if if he somehow ended up in there with him. But Zenitsu goes in, Tanjiro goes in, and one of the kids that was outside looking for his brother goes in. Uh, and they go into this mansion, and it clearly becomes apparent that something weird's going on because the rooms keep shifting at the tune of a uh, uh, Suzumi drum. Is that what it's called? Yep, Suzumi uh, drum. Yep. Uh, like very Japanese, like, like drum (laughs) like the hand drum uh and the rooms are shifting and like weird shit's going on like you'll open a door and it goes to one room but suddenly it's a different room and and like this mansion is just all messed up and you're wondering is this in their is it in the head or is this some shit you know what's going on here um and there's more than one demon in this house but there's clearly the master demon that's causing this to happen uh who we meet later um there's also some demons that are kind of like what are they? i forget now but they're kind of like in they go invisible or something like they were kind of sneaking throughout the house they're like they're they, like sub demons that just kind of want to feed off of uh the main demons like mm-hmm. catches yeah this is his lair this main demon's lair um and so eventually, uh, through one of these shifts, uh, we're introduced to the main demon who has these freaking drums on his body. <laughs> and he's kind of just like walking around hitting them. <laughs> and every time he hits the drums, depending on which drum he hits, the house shifts in a different way. Yeah, and, and when you say uh, shift, you mean like the, the room literally turns one way or the other. Uh, like like physically I think of it like a big... Like think it, the house looked normal from the outside, but imagine if you were inside in a Rubik's cube, yeah, or like an M.C. Escher painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so this becomes pretty crazy because not only you know before he meets the demon, it's just like whatever you know the rooms are moving around and you're very disoriented. He gets separated from Zenitsu and um, the the boy, and uh, he meets. Uh, What's his name? Boar? Boarhead? Oh, Inosuke. Yeah, Inosuke. Inosuke. Um, at one this of the, point, it, it, one of the funniest fucking reveals for a character, by the way. Yeah, he's just, just a dude. <laughs> like, at first you're like, oh, a demon. And no, it's just a crazy motherfucker with a boar's head on. Yeah. <laughs> and just, a, just a fucking and, psychopath. You know, and he's, I, I wish I'd never seen him before because you knew he wasn't a demon because of the opening of this show and that's an example of just things that i dislike that are kind of ruined when you see it in the opening but um he uh yeah so this boarhead guy but he's just like clearly on a mission and he's just like the if you think like your traditional berserker that's what inosuke is yeah frenzy like he is the absolute model of a of a frenzied berserker in D. &D. (laughs) he's got two swords like two katanas that are um serrated i guess you'd call it where they're like chopped yeah. <laughs> chipped so, you know the blades serrated, chipped. personally serrated there you go 
serrated yeah, by hand. Serrated. And we see later a pretty funny scene <laughs> where yeah. we're, we're kind of uh, uh, we find that out that he does that himself. But um, yeah, so it's like not just to slice the flesh like your traditional katana or whatever it would be. It's like to tear flesh, you know. So he's your he's he wants to just do damage, do maximum damage. But um, and so we're introduced to him, but then we're also introduced to the head of this house, who is this kind of tall demon dude uh, cool with the drums on his body. Oh, a what? Kill guy. That's his name. Kill guy. Uh, and he hits the drums, and depending on which drum he hits, the, ho- the house, literally, and at this point during the battle, you're actually seeing the rooms spin. And so it's sending Tanjiro off balance. It's sending Inosuke off balance. Um, and this becomes a huge part of the fight because obviously this guy knows what he's doing and he's able to send the Tanjiro flying around basically based on the way that he's spinning these rooms and he starts hitting the drums really fast so the room is like spinning constantly and it's a pretty wild battle uh the way he's able to do this um you guys have any thoughts on that oh no like i think this was incredibly animated like incredibly well animated Mm -hmm. um the fight for this one was was fantastic i i liked it like the the what do you call it like the visuals uh for like, I guess like the background and stuff like that, like, Mm -hmm. and all the movement and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was very well done. Like the old school kind of Japanese mansion style too. Like the setting here was just, it was neat. It was a really neat setting to be in. And then add on to that, the whole spinning room thing. And, um, again, Tanjiro is forced to use his kind of water breathing, uh, technique to kind of maneuver himself in the air. Um, it ends up being pretty interesting. Now, I forget exactly how he was able to defeat this guy. Do you guys remember? Um, I don't remember the exact method, but yeah. I do know it, it involved. I I can never remember exactly how how mm-hmm. the the final blow gets struck, but I do remember. Uh, like what sticks with me more is is uh usually the the ending and and you know Tanjiro's experience sure. with uh, the demon's backstory because this one this one I liked a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, I was trying to think of I'm actually trying to think of how exactly he pulled it off because I can remember so, bits of the battle, yeah. but I can't remember the. It's like he so, gets a hold of a drum at so at one point. I no, think no, like the kids had a drum. No? The kid had yeah. the drum. Yeah. Oh, the kid had the drum. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tanjiro. Uh, at one point, a bunch of papers like fly all over the room. Um, and Nosuke, I think at one point, like tramples over them. Uh, but then he gets like sent flying out of the room, and then we don't see him till later. Um, but Tanjiro made it a point to make sure not to step on the papers. Oh, um, that's right. I think that helped Tanjiro kind of gather himself and kind of focus himself. And he was able to, I think, get the rotations down. And he was finally able just to get close enough to the demon and just cut its head off. But then, yeah, mm. um, turns out that those papers were kind of an important part of the demon, uh, at least in his backstory. Yeah. Like a like a he was a aspiring writer and that was his manuscript and a family member or his dad or whoever you know treated it like it was shit and treated his 
proficiency at the what was the drum called again? The Suzumi. Suzumi drum. Yeah, Suzumi right. drum. His yeah. proficiency with the Suzumi drum, like it was nothing, and like his whole thing was just wanting to be recognized. And Tanjiro kind of gave that to him. Um, importantly, too, this is the only time we see Tanjiro extracting blood from a demon. Um, God, and oh, it. Well, we'll get to it later, but it tilts me so much that he doesn't make that a higher priority. It it's understandable later on to me because mm. of the the <sighs> level of difficulty, the spike in difficulty he has to deal with later on. Yeah, but mm-hmm. there was a choice that he made, and I. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. that. Anyways, um, yeah. So he defeats the Suzumi Drum Mansion. Uh, and he gets back outside. Uh, I think he is able to reunite the kids with their brother. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he is. And um, at this point, Nezuko is is kind of uh, has an I- interaction with Inosuke, no, or at she, least not she's Nezuko. She's in the box, and Zenitsu is protecting the box. Inadvertently. So here's here's a cool part about Zenitsu, right? He's kind of uh, protecting Nezuko because he realizes how important the box is to Tanjiro. Well, yeah, before they go in, Tanjiro sets the box down with Nezuko in it with the two younger siblings and mm-hmm. says that if anything happens, this will protect you. Uh, and he says, like, this thing is more important to me than anything else in my life. And mm-hmm. so when Tanjiro gets back out, yeah, he finds Zenitsu kind of clinging to the box with yeah. Inosuke trying to slash it because he can tell that there's a demon inside of it right. um and yeah you know so the, we get kind rare... of a cool zenitsu moment there yeah yeah Tanjiro's like not fucking around though like he sees yeah <laughs> happening and he goes full on like ass kicker mode at this point <laughs> oh and then Tanjiro headbutts inosuke which is which will become yeah. an mo for Tanjiro. uh-huh uh, apparently <laughs> Tanjiro has got... a cement forehead yeah steel skull <laughs> Um, and he does have a scar on his head, which hasn't been addressed. Mm-hmm. Addressed. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see that addressed. At I think some his point. father had the same scar in a he flashback. Did in the exact too. same place too. Yeah. Ritual scarring, maybe. maybe. I I found that apparently it's a thing in Japan for mothers to pour boiling water on their babies. So maybe that's what happened. <laughs> but do not pour boiling <laughs> waters on your on your babies. I don't know. I've seen two anime now where that happened, and it's just like, is this seriously a trend? Wait, wait was the other one My Hero Academia? Because that wasn't a trend. Well, no, that's one, and then the other one. There was another one this season that it happened with. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I've seen this twice now. Is this seriously? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next, um, actually, the next episode. Like, we don't get it. We we get an like an an intermittent episode before the next arc where they recuperate at like the, mm, yes, I actually enjoyed this episode. Yeah. It was, it was yeah, a fun it was little episode. And we get to see how like the demon slayers have like their own like little network of not really hospitals, but like recuperation stations. Well, they'll, they'll like call a doctor to come check them out and they'll get like, you know, kind of like spa treatment um, while uh-huh. they, while their bones and stuff recover and then once they're they're good to go their crows come back and tell them <laughs> freaking crows <laughs> um yeah 
So you got a down episode finally. After like 15 episodes, there's finally a down episode or 14 or whatever. Zenitsu meets Nezuko and Nezuko will not have anything to do with him. <laughs> yeah, so he falls madly in love with her or whatever. <laughs> this is where, uh, um, after this episode, though, we are enter. We, we go into the longest of the the arcs as far as uh, enemies are concerned. Sure. Um, you kind of referenced it earlier, Carlos, um, the the family of demons, but um, we don't necessarily know that just yet because they get to the mountain. Um, there's they're, they're sent to a mountain because there's a whole bunch of demon slayers that are there. Uh, and shit's not going good for them. Uh, there's, there's a lot of casualties in this mountain and, and we'll kind of come to find out why. But um, yeah, there, there is a family of demons here that need to be dispatched and I'm just going to be honest. It's one fifteen in the morning, and I'm going to let you guys take over as far as explaining this. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can go over it. We can go over it pretty yeah. quickly. Um, so, yeah, this is a stretch of about, oh, I want to say, seven episodes. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, where, yeah, they're dispatched to, um, this is, I should say, uh, Tanjiro, Inosuke, and Zenitsu, along with Nezuko, are dispatched to a mountain, uh, Mount uh, Nakagumo, where, you know, a initially a group of demon slayers had been dispatched. Um, they were kind of the backup because backup had been requested, and, you know, it sounded like shit was getting uh, fucked up over there. Um, initially, they run into a... Um, a demon who could uh, control people with spider webs. So like these spiders would crawl over their, the demon slayer's uniforms. They would attach themselves to them. And she was controlling them like puppets to kill each other. Um, but because of uh, Tanjiro's amazing, you know, smelling and Inosuke's beast senses, they were able to, you know, uh discover the demon spider webs and uh kind of get rid of them um culminating in you know a pretty protracted battle where they tried to save some people that was a this that was a pretty brutal moment where they were trying yeah, to, to trying to they're s- hanging the people up well well they were tra- yeah with like they like Inosuke and <laughs> Tanjiro Inosuke was hanging people up because he wanted to be competitive with Tanjiro uh-huh. I, yeah, yeah, yeah I love that character he's such an asshole yeah. anyway <laughs> <He's stupid>. um <laughs> but like after they saved them uh the mother spider demon which is what she's listed on my anime list um just uses a spider web to snap all their necks so like yeah. all their efforts were for nothing all for not um, yeah, I did enjoy this fight though because uh, eventually the the mother demon uh, like it's kind of brought to light that she's being controlled by her quote unquote son um, through threats of you know the father intervening, so she uses her you know most potent um, uh, puppet <laughs> puppet yeah, yeah which is like the the headless corpse of a demon that she just controls uh, and. Uh, Inosuke gets a little banged up, but through teamwork, um, he launches Tanjiro at the mother spider demon. And like in a like a moment of thinking while he's heading towards her, she has like a kind of a moment of, well, fuck this. I'd rather be dead than be in terror all my yeah. life. And, yeah. you know, she 
kind of God. I love that so much. It's such a. The, it's such a. It's so gentle. It's, well, it's such a sad scene, but it's such an yeah. impactful scene. Like, and just like the way that, like every move that Tanjiro has done so far has had such like impact mm-hmm. with his spinning and his. Yeah, just like his strength and stuff. And to see him like change to this like breathing technique where he just kind of glides in. Yeah, very quickly. Uh, and like kills gently her. Yeah. kills kills her. Is I yeah, I thought it was beautiful. It was really nice, but it, it was also like the the whole dynamic was like I oh, can't imagine yeah. being like so afraid of something like, you know what? I would fucking rather be dead. Rather die. Yeah. yeah. We we kind of see the family dynamic here a little bit with the younger son, Demon. I think his name is Rui. Rui, uh, yeah. And how he's kind of watching her and he's kind of basically saying, like, you're worthless. Why are you not killing them? And uh, wait till you wait till father hears about this. And he's kind of like, you know, you could tell the kid's a little prick, right? <laughs> um, and he, he's really egging her on. And she's clearly terrified uh, of him being there, seeing that and saying those things. So yeah. um, we start to get an idea of what this demon family dynamic is. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I just... So... Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I was just... No, you say what you were going to say first. I was just going to... Like, we're, we, we, we keep going uh, from here. Um, yeah. Uh, and like you said, like with the, the family dynamic, Jeff, like we move... Um, from family member to family member until we find out what the whole family dynamic is about. Um, th- uh, through the last battle yeah. with the last puppet, Inosuke gets pretty banged up and he gets left to deal with the dad. Um, yeah. Which is kind of messed up, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, because, yeah, they, they kind of find the dad, they're fighting the dad, and then Tanjiro gets kind of, like, uh, baseball batted away by a giant tree. Mm, that's right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Inosuke is kind of like having a rough go of it with the dad ends up. The dad is like, a like, by the way, like has a spider face. And yeah, he's a he big is a dude. fucking he's the most metal demon in this Shit whole brick house. Like, yeah, like, like, he, like literally metal. He belongs on a metal <laughs> album. Like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He, Tan, or, uh, Inosuke gets pretty messed up by the father demon. Um, and then eventually more backup arrives in the form of Giyu who was the original Demon Slayer that we met at the beginning. And holy shit, he um, was a badass. Uh, yeah, and he makes quick work of the the father. Um, who appears to be just, like, unstoppable. I mean, like, the blades yeah. were just not even piercing his oh, skin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And Inosuke's blades broke. Yeah. Yep. Both blades. So And he, I thought Inosuke was dead in this yeah. fight. I, I, uh, he I was thought close. Was, yeah. Yeah. He looked like his head was, like, crushed by the father. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think um, the throat was crushed, and I think yeah, his throat was crushed. Yeah, mentioned that uh, later on, but yeah. So, but Tanjiro gets batted away, um, and he comes across Rui and a another demon who we find is the sister in quotes of uh, Rui. Um, and after seeing the exchange between the two, Tanjiro comments that their bond is fake. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have a, a familial bond f- that is forced through fear, and that's not a true bond, which really pisses Rui off because that's what Rui wants is a family mm-hmm. bond, a real family bond. Um, yeah, I think this whole thing too, this was probably one of my favorite moments or at least one of the more touching, not touching, it was a sad moment, but when we really see how the younger sister um, 
was brought into the family and and what happened and how that all went down. Yeah, it's a messed up family dynamic they got. Yeah, that's for sure. It um, was a sad. It was a sad kind of backstory. <laughs> yeah. Um, essentially, we find out that Rui is one of the actual uh, twelve Kizuki, uh, the lower five uh, in particular, and um, he has been kind of saving demons and forcing them to be his in you know quotes again family um through various means because Um, because he couldn't remember what it was like to have a family or what it was like before he was a demon which yeah honestly like i i loved like the dynamic with the family thing and and this whole arc was just awesome but it's like Uh weakest reasoning for a villain i think sure sure well yeah but we come to realize why he can't remember because you know he blocked it out himself because right. he killed his family yeah 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 <laughs> um but i i liked the battle between tanjiro and rui yes so good um it was it, the best animated scene by a mile is the one where Tanjiro eventually well okay first of all Tanjiro's blade uh breaks <laughs> because the spider web threads that Rui makes are harder than the steel of the blade um and Tanjiro can't get enough force I guess to cut through it um so Tanjiro just has a stub of a sword and is just getting the shit kicked out of him um but Eventually, um, Rui kind of like takes Nezuko hostage because Nezuko protects Tanjiro at one point, and you know Rui sees this true familial bond and is like, "I must have that." And so he takes mm-hmm. Nezuko and is like, "I will force you to be my family, just like everyone else," because he learned uh, nothing. Yeah. Um, and so he's got her kind of like hanging up in these webs, all like cut, and her she's bleeding and everything. So as she struggles. Mm. Um, and yeah, Tanjiro kind of like makes like a last ditch effort to kill Rui with this broken blade of his, uh, and he's kind of spinning and gaining speed with his breathing technique and his sword technique. Uh, and he's finally able to kind of cut through some of the threads. Um, and then Rui kind of unleashes a super powerful attack. And this moment kind of was a head scratcher for me um i wasn't too thrilled about how this was kind of presented but he remembers a technique that his father did for this dance um i forget what the dance was even called the hinokami it's like his family had always like worshipped a or i guess yeah i guess worshipped like a a fire spirit of their mountain so it's like he's more attuned to fire than he is to water i don't know yeah, it, it was. It so, wasn't terribly well explained. I, I think. Sure. Yeah, it was just kind of sprung on us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's doing like these water moves, and then he remembers as he's like about to be killed. Uh, his dad did this fire dance, and he incorporates the breathing technique that he remembers from his father, as well as the movement of the dance, and he's able to change his water into fire and he's able to cut through all these threads and just as he's like getting really close to Rui um 
Nezuko, who at this point has been kind of like passed out, um, like has a vision of her mother telling her that she needs to save Tanjiro. And she like snaps awake. And this is the first time we get to see like her demon blood art where she ignites all of the blood on these um, spider webs Mm -hmm. uh, into fire, like molten hot fire. And right as Tanjiro like reaches Rui, uh, he's able to kind of uh, he he gets the stub of his sword that's left on Rui's neck, and with the fire from Nezuko, is able to cut off his head. But wait, it's not actually how that goes because apparently <laughs> yeah. Rui is able to cut his his own head off with his spider webs right before. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was like such an epic moment, and to have it kind of all yeah, for just not, like a psych, and I'm like, oh, come on, that was such a <sighs> yeah, cool the animation, animation there and you just, just pulled ugh. the psych on me. Yeah, um, but yeah, so we find out that yeah, you know, Rui's not actually dead. He puts his head back on, um, and Tanjiro's kind of like crawling away. He's getting the shit kicked out of him again. Uh, and then Giyu shows up after dispatching the father. Um, he makes his way over to where, uh, Tanjiro's at. And <laughs> honestly makes quick work of Rui as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Despite yeah, being he's... one of the, the 12. Um, Giyu's freaking beast. badass. Yeah. He uses this is... the, the hidden 11th breathing technique or whatever. At, at this point, uh, like... Yeah, Rui's like still feeling okay, but he's not at full power. I mean, Tanjiro's taking sure. quite a bit mm-hmm. out of him, so. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, not yeah. to take that much away from Giyu. He is still a badass. Yeah. Um, One character we hadn't mentioned throughout this entire thing that did show up was uh, Kocho. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, while all this was going on, uh, Zenitsu, who. Didn't want to go up the mountain, so he stayed behind. But then he realized that Nezuko was with Tanjiro, and he's in love with Nezuko. So he's going after Nezuko, goes up into the mountain, and gets attacked by this other spider uh, member of the family who is the inverse of the father, where he's human head and spider body. I think um, I'd rather be the dad. I'd rather yeah. be the dad, yeah. 100%. Um, but... Zenitsu gets poisoned by some of these like spiderlings that the uh, the spider dude had made, and he was about to be turned into a spider, kind of like him. Um, but then he kind of remembers his training, his past, and everything. It's a really kind of really really good like backstory episode, um, and he harnesses his power again after <laughs> passing out and falling out of a tree um and yeah we got to see his just incredible thunder mm-hmm. breathing technique again yeah uh, that's the that's the episode i missed <laughs> yeah you should definitely oh. go back and check that out but yeah uh after he does his business with that spider he's kind of uh still poisoned and dying on top of this like house thing uh and yeah uh shinobu kocho shows up um who is 
probably my favorite character in this anime. I love her, man. And honestly, I I know the animation for the scene um, where uh, Tanjiro is able to go after Rui is probably the best animation wise. Her uh-huh. her um, breathing technique, her art, whenever they show the butterflies and the oh, scenes yeah. and that serene, it's the yeah. most beautiful part of the show for me. I love it. I yeah. love her scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she's just so sassy in like such a subdued way. Yeah. She's very know. like passive aggressive. Now she, she's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, she's like, I, I loved her so much. Like I'm worried because of that if we get any more, I'm worried uh, she's gonna fucking die. Well, yeah, that's I, I think a, a worry for every single character in this show, honestly. But I like I feel like with with the backstory they gave her, with like who sure. her mentor was, and the fact that she has a little protege now, I'm like, and the protege uh, seems to be like uh, you know a, a main focus, or could be a main focus of like Tanjiro and and Inosuke and the other guys. Um, uh, I'm just like fuck. You're gonna kill her yeah, off, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, but no, well, I I do we'll agree. See, she, I her her because her her sword and stuff like that. Everything about her is super unique. Yeah, she's the only. So there's what are called Hashira, which are like these super strong demon slayers. It's like the highest rank of demon slayer. Um, she's the only Hashira who is unable to decapitate demons just because she's not strong enough. Uh, but she is an alchemist and has made many poisons lethal to demons. Uh, and so her demon slaying sword is pretty much a <laughs> a point. Like most of the blade is gone. It's just like the tip of the blade. And she just stabs demons uh, with her poison and they <laughs> die probably more painful deaths than getting their head cut off, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the way that she has that interaction with the um the young the girl demon. Yeah. the sister demon uh where it's like brutal. she's she's kind of trying to like see if and i love and this kind of gets it comes back a little later where you see this part of her personality when she talks to tanjiro towards the end of the the second quarter and the end of yeah. the show so far um where she also is looking for the good in demons in a way and it's like she asks her some questions um to see if she wants to be her friend <laughs> She's yeah, like, she wants to befriend demons. Um, and she was disappointed when it almost sounded like the girl was like going to go along with it, and then she turned, and then she's like, "Oh, what? How sad! What a disappointment!" And well, then she, because, you know, yeah, when uh, the terms were laid out, the demon girl was like, uh, "No, no, thank you. I'll just try to kill you now." But yeah, that's yeah. right. It was like you're going to have to suffer, you know, to pay for all for the every that person you killed. that you killed. I will torture you to death. But don't worry, you won't <laughs> die because you're a demon. <laughs> so, yeah, she's uh she's a badass and she's fantastic. Um, but yeah, after Giyu kills Rui, um, and Shinobu deals with everything, Shinobu kind of shows up and is trying to kill Nezuko. Um, Giyu knows about Nezuko and knows what Nezuko is and kind of the history. Uh, but yeah, Shinobu doesn't know that, and <laughs> it gets kind of interesting as Giyu, despite what he is and his beliefs about not befriending demons, is actually protecting uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko and tells them to run as he deals with Shinobu. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus starts the rehab arc. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. The, the, so 
I I liked these episodes well enough. Weirdest way to end a shonen, like a first season of a shonen. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's fine. a training montage. It's, yeah, it's just like oh, okay. It's a lot of character stuff. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. uh, a lot of character interaction and building those relationships. Um, I think I think this arc probably had some of the most fascinating episodes to me personally um it's getting really late and this is going super long so we won't spend a ton of time talking about this uh but i think the episode where we meet the master um and everyone's kind of like deciding what they're going to do to nezuko and tanjiro is very interesting um just kind of seeing all the personalities we and, meet the hashiras they're yeah, all the hashiras, very yeah. strong personal personalities yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that's one way to insane, put it insane yeah insane yeah. yeah uh the master's name by the way the master of all the demon slayers his name is uh kagaya uh Ubuyashiki. okay yeah um and yeah he's got something going on uh he can't see uh he's got like a huge like purple scar all over his face um, at least half of his face yeah Re- at least like, half of his face. there's there's something going on there like that i'm sure the the manga fans already know about but like you know like for those of us watching the anime, we're all like, hey, "Don't don't spoil anything for us." Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, we're very curious. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of a, a trial thing because no one believed that Nezuko was a demon that wouldn't eat humans. They test her; she passes. Um, and Shinobu decides to take Tanjiro and Nezuko into her household uh, because she's essentially a doctor or runs a, a hospital uh, for lack of a better term um and so we get kind of a, a few episodes of tanjiro inosuke and zenitsu kind of recovering from the you know devastating toll that it took on their bodies uh the last fight in the mountains um and yeah we get to see more of uh zenitsu being just a complete shithead uh just a real scumbag of a human being <laughs> Um, Inosuke is like super depressed and it's like, this is where I started to like Inosuke. I really did. Like I, he, he went through this depression because Inosuke prided himself in being like the strongest. He's, he wants to be the strongest and being defeated so brutally by that demon. He's clearly down. And I, yeah. I, I like that. I thought it was, yeah. it was a cool. I, I, I like that about yeah. him. And I like the fact that like, he's so unused cause he's, he's, you know, he's a wild child. He's, he grew up in the, in, uh, in the wild like without human interaction mm-hmm. uh-huh. so whenever anyone compliments him <laughs> he has this yeah he gets like super excited uh, i love i but he doesn't want to show I love it. that about him i love that about him so much <laughs> it just he's it got, makes me so fucking like, happy oh, man i think there's one point in like the the mountain arc where tanjiro says something to him and like the like the little bright light flower things kind of like appear around him and inosuke just like this weirdest breathing thing i've ever heard in my life (laughs) 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 yeah Um, anyways yeah they're so they're they're all kind of like trying to get over their various ailments and depression and injuries and stuff like that uh but the best thing in my opinion about this arc is that we get a good amount of uh canal best um, girl who is best girl um yeah i'm with you i uh, see disagree nezuko is so good but uh, nezuko is fantastic too um but i uh, is just so cute and her her backstory is pretty 
tragic. Um, yeah. I, I'm excited to see a lot more of her. I'm sad we just got to really meet her in the end. And um, yeah. I love the way that they showed her backstory and then closed the interaction between her. And, oh, my God. Uh, and Tanjiro. And Tanjiro. I'll let yeah, you go so, ahead and explain it if you want, because yeah, I thought it was so, awesome. Kanao was kind of like an orphan child. Um, and she was taken in by Shinobu and their elder sister, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, their elder sister passed away from a battle, uh, fighting demons and stuff like that. And it was her dream, uh, to befriend demons, I guess that Shinobu took on, um, to honor her sister. So Shinobu doesn't necessarily like the idea of befriending demons but she feels like it's her duty to carry on her sister's wish um but yeah they kind of they see this young girl kind of being dragged across a bridge um and they stop the guy kind of walking her because i think she's got like a rope around her neck or something like that Mm. she's a a slave and so the elder sister um throws money at the dude and like steals canal um and makes her part of their family uh but because of the way that she was raised she is emotionally unable to make decisions for herself so she was given a coin um that she uses to make all decisions for her like if she wants to talk to someone she flips the coin it's a it's a yes no kind of thing um and uh, so the way the, the interaction between Tanjiro and uh, her kind of ends is Tanjiro asks to see her coin and flips the coin way up in the air and says that, you know, if it's heads or whatever, then from now on, she has to make decisions with her heart instead of this coin. Um, and turns out to be heads and we'll see how that goes but it was a, just a super sweet uh very cute interaction i i agree that it was super sweet but this is yeah. the first we we but. see of her outside of the final thing and i feel like it was um, really super rushed uh i mean she was in the the mountain uh very arc. briefly very briefly yeah. i don't know that it felt rushed to me she, she's yeah, she's, she's, right. she's That's fair. way like she's so barely in the show i can't call her best girl she's cute and that mm-hmm. that yeah that the the story was super sweet but it's it's right at the tail end of the show so yeah i don't know nezuko i I've, i always liked nezuko but i never I, I never had that best girl connection with her whereas as um kanao i i I thought her story really touched me. In fact, some of the demon stories touched me in a way, but I would never call one of the demons best girl. Canal, uh, though, I'm, I'm excited to see more of her. And, and I think really weird. She, her character was just born into the universe almost with that second to last episode, essentially, or I guess yeah. maybe even the last episode. Like um, I would say, I think for, you know, the, the run of this show, I would say Shinobu is probably my best girl of the show. Uh, but, just based on characters that I think I'm going to like the most going forward, uh, Kanai is my pick for that. Or yeah, not, that's a good uh, way to put it. Uh, I just, I just, Kanao, I, I would say Shinobu, but I honestly yeah. don't think Shinobu's long for this show. I really think. <laughs> oh she's no! Don't say that. With like, because they they, they got to build up, you know, Kanao. Uh, but for me, 
Nezuko. She's been there the whole time. Her story is far more tragic. Um, even though they, I, I really, that's, that's one of the complaints I have is that like the, the backstory for the main character is so quick that it's, it's, it's almost like, I almost don't like if they didn't build upon it throughout the series by, you know, giving Nezuko those little moments of like, like she sees people and she sees them as her family or when Tanjiro is fighting, like his family will, you know, from the beyond, you know, encourage him. Um, I almost wouldn't care about those characters if it weren't for that. I think that's what makes Nezuko my best is is all of like the the fact that even though their story is it's super tragic, but it's so fucking rushed that if they hadn't built upon the characters throughout the show, I don't think I would have given a shit about them. Sure, sure. But I mean there's still so much more to go that we just don't know about, so I'm I'm hedging my bets on uh Canal. But I'm with yeah, you there. I, 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 oh, no, I, I think she's definitely going to be a major player and probably a, 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 a excellent character. I mean, I really loved her backstory and like it was the, the fact that she's talking now is, you know, awesome. And I'm sure she's going to be super yes. sweet. But uh, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes from there. I'm not saying she's she's not going to be best girl material. I'm just saying she's like she comes in at the very tail end of the show for me. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, and I mean it's obvious. Nezuko's awesome. There's no, there's no saying yeah. anything bad about Nezuko. But you know, she's she's too obvious of a choice, man. Come on. <laughs> I go for for the. I, I only <laughs> go for the the most obvious, and you know, some some might say best choices. Nico, Nico. <laughs> so yeah. So I think <laughs> the last thing worth mentioning from this arc um, is that all three of the the main dudes, Tanjiro, Inosuke, Sunitsu, are able to master a new breathing technique which is continuous breathing um which is interesting yeah like the constant breathing or yeah whatever. The, yeah yeah i forget exactly what it's called yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like up until now they had just been doing their breathing technique whenever they needed to do a move but i guess all the you know the good demon slayers all the hashira are able mm. to maintain their breathing technique every yeah. hour of the day sleeping or not which led to some pretty <laughs> fun little scenes yeah. where these three little girls that are helpers of the house kind of they yeah. and the they were uh, adorable <laughs> yeah they were and like blowing into the big gourd to break uh-huh. it like to break it yeah canal uh, is like just le- several levels ahead of tanjiro until he's able to master this this technique and then he's finally able to start um, matching her and some of the little kind of exercises that they were doing uh-huh. um, we, we end the whole series though on them getting their mission and they they go to um they go to a train they're gonna go suplex a they're gonna go suplex well, a train they're gonna su- oh I, no it, a <laughs> Not the excellent reference b um <laughs> b uh i i really loved like this this was another part of me loving the historic references where like Inosuke being a you know a country bumpkin it's like <laughs> what the fuck is this this has to be like the king of this of this you know this area the uh, the king beast of this area oh like, yeah and Tanjiro's like maybe it's the uh the spiritual yeah. <laughs> guardian yeah. of the and Zenitsu's finally not useless he's like it's like what's, it's a train it's a train what's wrong with you guys <laughs> this is a train <laughs> yeah. uh but the, but um it also ends with uh the writing that uh that the um uh, the movie's been greenlit for this specific oh. art arc. 
Sure, sure. Before that, though, is I think the most fascinating thing in the show or sequence in the show is the uh, meeting oh, between Muzan, the purge, Kibutsuji, the purge of the lower ranks, and the purge of the lower. Holy six. shit! That was an incredible sequence. Yes, fucking gruesome, but good lord, <laughs> yeah. was it good! I actually totally forgot about that. Oh, it's yeah. so Thank you good. For me. It's incredible. I forgot yeah. that that was in this episode. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, we see, yeah, Kibutsuji, who has a new form. He's now a, or in the form of a woman. Who knows what his actual gender is now? I mean, this who is Muzan Kibutsuji? Um, because apparently they can be anything uh, mm. if they want. Uh, kind of yeah. cute now, actually. <laughs> yeah, like super hot, actually. Um, but they <laughs> uh, have called the lower ranks to this meeting uh, where it is made known that Brui was killed by Tanjiro. Um, and he's questioning their worth to him. And <laughs> essentially, we find out that Anyone who has received his blood, he can read the mind of. Um, I don't know if that's limited by distance or anything like that, but the minds are being read of all these lower six that are still alive in here, and they, one by one, make wrong moves uh, with Muzan present and get brutally murdered, Mm. except for one. Uh, I don't know what number they were. She was number like one of them, right? Two or let me see if it says uh, the crazy one. Oh, it was lower one. It was yeah, it was one, number one. Um, who <laughs> says it would be an honor to be killed by uh, Muzan and thanks him for killing him last, and Muzan appreciates that answer and injects that uh, demon with more of uh, their blood, making them stronger. Um, And we will get to find out what this demon is all about because they are the bad guy for this next arc in the movie. Yeah. Yep. Um, It really just sets the stage to, to, to the, the power level of Kibutsuji. You know, it's like, just like bits of his blood or its blood make yeah. these super powerful demons. And just to think this is the last boss and just it's setting like such an enormous curve for what um, has to be achieved to match his power, to be, to have a chance <laughs> against him. You know um, it, it's, it's really fascinating. I, I love the world building in this show and, and how it um, is bringing it set the stage the way it set the stage and and we already know who the final boss is, but, and I I just don't see how ever we're going to have a demon slayer who's powerful enough to match him. So. Well, I suppose we'll just have to keep watching. Wow. Okay. A long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, this is, this is your show, sir. So the honor of of scoring it first. Obviously, I need you guys to watch it with me because I can't remember all of the uh, important plot points on my own. So <laughs> it's also super late. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
yeah, I, I mean, great show. Great show at this point. Season one was awesome. Uh, hard to find too many bad things to say about it, but obviously we've mentioned them as we've gone through some of the things that irked us, uh, Zenitsu being the primary one. Um, it's a shonen. Great start. I hope it continues. And, man, I'm not even going to mention Aichan in this one. Uh-huh. Uh, Aichan can't be in this universe. I can't risk her. <laughs> uh, you guys ready? Do you have anything else to say before we give our no. scores? Uh, I think we're ready. I think we exhausted it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to just, I'm going to go 4.5. To me, it feels yeah. very solidly at a 4.5. Yep. I'm right. Uh, that's where I'm sitting as well. Yep. 4.5. That's actually, I have it, I have it listed <laughs> as a nine on my, on Mel. So, I yeah. mean, it's it, just a shame that Zenitsu it, exists. It definitely <laughs> could be a five without Zenitsu. Or at the very least, with a rewritten, <laughs> a better yeah, Zenitsu. rewritten Zenitsu. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if you guys are looking at the promo art, but he looks so cool in the promo art. Yeah. He does. Uh, because that's his thunder form. Yeah, but I'm just like, why can't, why can't he? I, I'm not saying like just make him another like standard stock badass, but like make just make him suck less. Yeah, he can still oh be a coward. God, just dude. make I, him suck less. It's like the voice actor. He it was pain. Like I had to turn the TV down at times in scenes where he was in because it's just nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> it's just constant, man. But that's oh, not to take away brutal. from you know the positive. I mean, obviously, we're giving it a four point five. I mean, excellent animation, amazing fight sequences, like uh, pretty good music. I'm like the OST didn't blow me away, but it like it, it worked for the the situations. Uh, we were clearly mm-hmm. drawn into many of the characters, even villains. Um, Mm-hmm. And then there's and there's so much more left to explore, like so many loose ends that we can get excited about seeing more uh, in the upcoming movie. And then I'm going to assume uh, the eventual um, second season. So, I yeah, hope so, hopefully, yeah. I mean, it, it seems this seems to be a show that's taken the larger anime community uh, by storm, and and even people who, excuse me, aren't like. The biggest anime fans are taking notice because, you know, it's a shonen and shonens usually get a larger reach. So I'm excited to see where it goes. So cosplayable too, man. Like like as far as couples cosplay goes, Tanjiro and Nezuko, <laughs> man, I, I'm expecting to see a lot of that cosplay in the future. Um, <laughs> Hell, Avali May already already did it on the, uh, the TFT, <laughs> on the TFT uh, stream today. Tournament. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, she did the, and she did I, the Nezuko run. Like... Hands behind her back. Oh, so good. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not calling that Naruto run anymore. Oh, to be fair, it's not technically an Naruto run. Anyway, before I jump down um, that rabbit hole. So yeah, it's <sighs> going on two o'clock in the morning here for me, guys. So I'm ready to sign off. Uh, uh, we still have anything to else read. You want to say? <laughs> All these things. Yes. Oh, that's right. We have to read. You know what? I am awake. I, do it. I, I don't okay. want to. Sure? I, I love. I love you guys in the community so, so much that I definitely so don't want to. Um, Logan asked you guys a thing, and you guys wrote us some damn fine answers. But we have been doing this for <laughs> holy fuck, almost four hours. Almost four hours. We yeah. really need to cut so, down the demon slayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, this could have been its own podcast. It really could have. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, but so what we're going to do is we ask you what were your favorites from this anime season 
um, summer 2019. And you gave us a ton of answers, and we appreciate that. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to just list off what each of you said show-wise. And if people are interested in your opinions about each show, they can go to our Discord. And please do. Will we have a great community. And we'd love for you to, yes. to you know, answer these questions in the future. And maybe if we don't have a show as impactful as Demon Slayer, we won't take four yeah. damn hours. Anyway. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay. First one from Jekyll Geek here. Um, for summer, I really enjoyed Dr. Stone, Fire Force, and Vinland Saga, as well as Demon Slayer and Fruits Basket. All solid. Uh, uh, who wants to take Full Metals? Uh, full Metal listed uh, his three for summer uh, were Demon Slayer, Vinland Saga, and Fire Force. Two of those are continuing. <laughs> um good choices uh native i'm gonna take native and b tag okay. native says didn't watch anything but enjoyed nezuko memes yeah i think yeah. i enjoyed nezuko memes too uh b tag for the summer 2019 top five given cop craft uh mix is mix an actual show yep it um, is it's a baseball show uh kochuki wakaki nobunaga and grand belm uh Wow, I haven't heard of a lot of those shows. B tag, you've got different tastes. Uh, <laughs> not bad. Are you lost? Astra in space, Belm and Demon Slayer were uh, honorable mentions, I think, from yeah. B tag there. Uh, companion Cube, Eric, my roommate. Um, <laughs> he finished five anime this season, four that he can speak to. Uh, Copcraft was his number one. Lord Elmoy, the second case files, Rails Zeppelin, Grace Note was number two. Number three was Grand Bell. Number four, Are You Lost? Um, and I assume that he'll enjoy the conclusion to Demon Slayer, so we'll probably throw that on his <laughs> list. Carlos um, Crash. Okay. Just read it. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to read yeah. through. That's fine. He just wrote a paragraph, which yeah, is fine. Okay. Uh, I, said, I haven't to watched it. too much seasonal. I've uh, been working on my backlog, and I need a much-needed break from most seasonal. Uh, started and dropped Astro. Wasn't a fan of it at all, uh, but I won't harp on that. I've said my piece on it. I'm still chugging through Fruits Basket, which is still fantastic. Not sure uh, if that's last season or the one before. I've lost track. Uh, although I do <laughs> intend to watch Villain Saga, you should. It's pretty good. Ayu enjoyed Demon Slayer. Uh, Don Machi season two. I'm happy to hear that one because I've yeah, I need Don to hear Machi. that. Uh, I loved season one, and it's yeah. just that's what that's an example of a show. I think that it just took such a long hiatus that I lost interest. For um, sure. Number three, Fruits Basket. Four, Oh Maiden. Oh Maiden, your savage season. Sad. Well, that's a apparently a tongue twister at two in the morning uh how heavy are the dumbbells you lift lord el malloy case files grand belm cop craft and wasteful days of high school girls thank you ayu nice um i'll take vetros and four eye stick man however you say his name uh vetros says i only got a chance to watch demon slayer but holy shit was it great uh stickman says top five oh maidens number one Woo. astra number two hensky number three okay uh number four cheat magician uh number five if it's for my daughter i'd even defeat the demon lord okay i'll take seth seth amaha says his short list of his favorite of summer 2019 <laughs> um i i cut i had to cut shows because there were just too many okay. well his short list was well, not your short. Your short list is getting <laughs> I'm sorry, cut Seth. down to 10. 
And even then, I'm just going to say what they were. Uh, number one, Fruits Basket. Number two, uh, The Demon Girl Next Door. I want to check that uh, one Number out. three, Looks Lord Elmoloy's uh, Case Files. Uh, number four, wait, did I say? Number three was or- uh, Lord Elmoloy's Case Files. Number four is Demon Slayer. Number five is If It's For My Daughter, I'd Even Review Demon Lord. Number six, Omen's In Your Savage Season. Um, number seven, Ari Ferretta. Uh, number eight, Ostra Lost in Space. Number nine, Hensuki. Number 10, you know. Um, I just want to make a couple of comments about Seth's. Uh, <laughs> he, he, Demon Slayer dropped mostly because of Tanjiro, I'm guessing. Or not Tanjiro, um, Zenitsu. And uh, Ari Ferretta, uh, he agrees with me that the harem makes that show enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to mention that. And then, did you have anything else you wanted to add, man? No. Manson's uh, next. Manson, uh, Astro Lost in Space, Oh Maidens. Demon Girl Next Door, Don Machi 2, and Dr. Stone. Uh, and I guess I'll just finish this off if you guys don't mind. Sure, uh, go ahead. The Quastinistado. I don't know how to pronounce your name, man. Sure. Uh, I like it. It's good, though. Uh, best of the season for me. Uh, one core, not two cores like Vinland Saga would be Dr. Stone, uh, <laughs> which I think is also is it's, uh, two, it's a two core. cores. Um, <laughs> That's okay, though. And Judude says Copcraft, but that's the wrong answer because it should be how heavier the yeah, dumbbells are. Yeah, seriously. Dude, yeah, he just hasn't what finished it. What the fuck? <laughs> I'll let him sorry. know. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you're I, so I'm not dismayed. Being, like, for those of you just listening, I'm not being mean to just a member of our community. He's a person I've known for a, a good long time. One would call us frenemies. Um, I might have to kill him <laughs> for not finishing this show. Well... As long as you can dance on his oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, we actually, whatever. yeah, for the listeners yeah. out there, I actually do have a a standing agreement with Judy sixty nine or Phil from our Discord uh, from a long time ago that whichever one of us dies first, the other one has to put his dancing shoes on and dance on the grave of the other one, which <laughs> I I do have to get around to telling my family. Otherwise, it'd be really weird if just a random <laughs> Polish guy started like dancing on the grave of their recently deceased <laughs> family member. Oh man. Also, you have to sing okay. Dance on Corpse, which is... Dance on Corpse. Yeah. Dance on Corpse. Dance on Out of Here. Good night. <laughs> if you would like to join our Discord and uh, let us know what anime you loved from the summer season or just, you know, come join us for our various group watches or game nights or whatnot or just talk anime games or whatever, you can find us I've on our various... I've been streaming more on Twitch, oh, too. He so. has. Yeah, you did. You did a Hamaji uh, record, a uh, Fire Emblem stream, so... You can catch more of that stuff uh, on our Twitch, which is twitch.com slash anime underscore arcade. Um, we are on Twitter at anime underscore arcade. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash anime arcade. We are on Instagram at the underscore anime underscore arcade. Our email is mail.animearcade at gmail.com. And our website is animearcade.net. Find us on any of those. We'll get you an invite to our Discord. Come have fun with us. But for oh now, my God. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just in the outro. Thank you, oh, DJ. Boy, <laughs> okay, yeah, it is so time for bed. bed. Good, good night, listeners, and <laughs> thank you for listening. I'm so sorry it's yeah. so long. Thank you for listening so much. Enjoy. Thank you. Peace. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're so sorry. Good night. Good night.